For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Latest update, uh, Barry Roach carries it in the Irish Times this morning and also online into the killing of the Cork-born Bishop David O'Connell. Barry Roach this morning is saying the police are investigating whether there's any truth to reports that... Uh, the Cork-born Bishop uh, David O'Connell was murdered in Los Angeles because he was in dispute with a man who told people that the Bishop owed him money for work done on his house. Um, and the Los Angeles County Sheriff had a press conference uh, last night, Irish time, uh, and uh, a man had been arrested before that, a fellow called Carlos Medina, 65-year-old. He is the husband of Bishop O'Connell's housekeeper, and he previously carried out some work on the residence uh, and they think that he may have been claiming that he was in dispute with the bishop over payments for the work but that is still to be established because investigating officers continue their investigation so that's the latest update there uh, there's full reports in the Irish Times this morning uh, online in particular because I guess they'd gone to press for a lot of the developments overnight um, there's a, a very very troubling story it's an appalling attack um, and can only be described as um, yet another uh, gay bashing attack on Leaside um, I'm not necessarily using those words I'm quoting the person to whom it happened and that is the uh, well-known influencer David Babington I've spoken to him on the air before um, he's a hair salon owner influencer incredibly snappy dresser I mean really a fantastic sense of style um, uh, too upset to come on air and talk but I have some audio with regards to what happened to him uh, on Sunday night as he was going home passing a pub Man in his 40s starts shouting homophobic slurs and then uh, attacks him, physically assaults him. Now, uh, both he and his attacker, as in David and his attacker, were subsequently arrested and detained at a Cork Garda station overnight. Um, And I'll have more on that a little later on this morning, but he describes himself as being completely numb. In fact, the examiner online this morning is saying, and quoting him as saying, to be a 43-year-old man and have to face this, to be gay-bashed at 43 in Cork City is something I had never anticipated would have happened to me again. So more on that uh, a little later on this morning. Um, I know we spoke at length yesterday with Frank O'Connor, and he, of course, keeps a very close eye on dereliction and uh, you know is a real love of of Cork City and himself and his his partner Jude Cherry run um, a niche uh, and the story that the Echo running this morning is an interesting sidebar to what I was talking to Dave to Frank about yesterday and that was the amount of people who were living in dangerous conditions you might think that uh, properties are derelict but a lot of the time behind this derelict front door or whatever the case may be You have people living and sometimes they have nowhere else to go. So they could be deemed as being either living in very poor conditions uh, or indeed squatting in derelict properties. Uh, A lot of issues before the courts and um, we're reminded, of course, of law and disorder, or as the Mirror puts it this morning, jaw and disorder, uh, where a Garda suffered a suspected broken jaw uh, after a mob attacked him and his colleagues. Now, there is some very kind of grainy video footage doing the rounds on this. Hard to work out, but you see uh, the Garda at one stage being hit by a bottle in Ballyfermot and going down. Actually, they look very young, those that were gathering and acting the maggot. Uh, It happened yesterday. Young people a lot of them with scrambler bikes, quite young actually, very young um, and uh, it had to do with an altercation after a funeral in Ballyferman and so front pager in many of this morning's red tops today, like they say officers attacked after coming to the aid of an elderly woman who was nearly hit by a scrambler 
at the funeral. Um, just all, all sorts of lawlessness in the news these days. And well, for a long, long time, but just apparently getting worse. There's a, a case ongoing in the court courts at the moment. And I'm reading it from Liam Healan's court reports in the Echo, where a man appeared in court last week accused of putting his wife in fear. And he was granted bail, but allegedly then turned up at his wife's new address uh, on Sunday night and had a large dagger on the floor of his car. Now, it's a lengthy article making the court reports of the this morning's Echo. And you had another fellow then, a 31-year-old man, who apologised during a sentencing hearing uh, to the Garda he assaulted. But as he was being taken away to start a four-year sentence, he gave the injured officer the middle finger. Uh, so that's a story that makes the front page in the courts yesterday. And then all sorts of stuff gets into court. Even people who have disagreements over rights to park and where you should park and whether I can park outside your house or you could park outside my house or an allegation that one person keyed the other person's car. But in the end of the day in the heel of the hunt, there was a guy found guilty of pouring a bag of flour over another fella's car in a row over parking. He could face jail now because the judge described his behaviour as outrageous, um, pouring a bag of flour over somebody else's car. There's a lengthy report making this morning's echo, but it had to do with, you know, who can park where and whose space it is and all sorts of stuff like that. And you know the way these things go over time. These things escalate, you know, and tensions get worse and worse. So this is how it culminated with the court hearing that there was an allegation that one man called the other man an Irish pig. Stuff like that. But in the end of the day, bag of flour. What are you going to do? Flour should only be used uh, for pancakes or crepes or whatever the heck you're going to do today because it being Pancake Tuesday, the day before the start of Lent and Ash Wednesday. More on that a little later on, though. It's making the papers. But certainly the Cabinet have been busy trying to cobble together some more uh, spring bonuses for various people who need it most, including a €200 cost of living payment uh, for pensioners, carers, the disabled and those on long-term social welfare. So there are bonuses coming on the way. There will not be any extra credit for electricity. You ain't going to see nothing going off your bill, but you will see um, a big financial package to target parents, pensioners, carers, social welfare and disability. And the mail breaks down this morning. It would be a €100 child benefit payment bonus, a €100 increase in the back-to-school allowance and €200 in the state pension. These are some of the examples that the papers are talking about this morning. Um, And, of course, a very contentious one is whether or not the VAT rate of 9% for tourism and hospitality should stay in place because up to yesterday, uh, my understanding was that that 9% rate would revert back to 13.5% on the 1st of March. I believe it was the 1st of March. That's not going to happen. Tourism, um, the industry has been told that the reduced VAT rate now will stay until the 9th of August. And Mick Barry's like a demon over it. Uh, you know, he thinks words to the effect of that is just uh, adding to the coffers of very, very rich hoteliers and restaurateurs. But anyway, Tourism Ireland's very happy with it. It'll stay at 9% uh, till August. The downside, of course, is that none of the VAT reductions were ever passed on, whether it was in hospitality uh, or indeed when the VAT rate was absolutely abolished in newspapers. I don't uh, think I'm open to correction in saying that none of the price of newspapers came down when they abolished VAT. Uh, Nicola Bully has been reunited, sadly in death, but reunited with her family. And now she can finally rest. And what What's really upsetting about this is the world that we live in now, where the family 
in a statement that was read by police and um, I'm reading it from the, the Times UK this morning that you can finally rest in peace but my understanding of it from what I was reading last night was that and I saw a video of a statement being written read by the police written by Nicola Bully's family where they were very critical of the media particularly Sky News and particularly ITV who just didn't stop annoying them even though they requested on numerous occasions to be left alone and then you had all of these influencers descending upon the river wire and areas around where she lived and outside her front door and the family home so you had influencers and TikTokers and you had amateur sleuths and so-called detectives and you had psychics and you had people taking selfies on the bench where Nicola last sat. In fact, you had families with children in the back seat asking locals to direct them to Nicola's bench. Horrible stuff. You had drones up in the air. And apparently, they haven't even given up because the mail this morning says that TikTok gowls, it's a real cork world, I suppose in an international pronunciation it probably would be ghouls. We'll call them gowls though because that's all they are. They are still recording. Sickening footage has appeared online of an object being retrieved from the river where Nicola Bully's body was found. So even when they were trying to take her from the river and reunite her with her family, of course, um, they were still filming it and sharing it online. Uh, A lot of other stories in the papers today. Uh, The 9.4 million euro debt write-down is pretty much a write-off, really, isn't it? DJ Carey's only got to come up with 60 grand and the AIB... On numerous occasions, not just him now, but on numerous occasions, they literally just write off millions and millions. I mean, I, f- I figure they think there's no money there to be got anyway. What's the point? But anyway, um, there's going to be a big inquiry now because politicians want AIB chiefs in uh, to the finance committee to explain what's this carry on with so many of these write offs. The le- latest one being the ex GAA star DJ Carey, 9.4 million. Well, I think he was like t- something like nine and a half million in the hole, but only has to come up with 60 grand of it himself. And then another person who has fines constantly increasing on him is, of course, um, the sacked school teacher Enoch Burke. The fines now stand at 17,500 euro and counting. And he keeps showing up at school every single day. Your thoughts on that are, are welcome all these months later, because that doesn't look like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. Remember now, he spent 108 days in prison um, uh, last year for contempt of court orders. And amongst the court orders was this court fine if he kept on showing up at school. He's doing so and now owes 17,500. What about when they start coming back for it? And then you have the GA sports star who continues to dominate many of the uh, newspapers with regards to allegations of fraud. Uh, and the papers this morning give and have been doing over the course of the last fortnight different examples of the allegations of fraud all under the, um, the uh, I suppose, misinformation uh, that he had cancer. Like the Times this morning, the Irish Times says that a builder gave this sports star use of a house um, for what the GAM man claimed would be just for three or four weeks. Um, he stayed for 14 months rent-free, left a large electricity bill unpaid, despite the owner putting him under pressure to move out. Um, the former GAA player claimed to be in the US at one stage uh, receiving cancer treatments um, but was actually living in the house and playing golf in Ireland at the time. But eventually the owner had to change the locks um, in order to remove the sports star from the house. Um, and his belongings are believed to have been removed from the house as well and kept in storage. The former player subsequently stayed in hotels and other locations and asked to borrow 
huge sums of money from various people under the guise that he needed cancer treatment. So um, that's a story that um, will continue to dominate the papers up until such time as the Gardaí uh, finish with their investigation and work out what they're going to do next with it. Uh, remember I was talking about two weeks ago about the first iPhone. If you might have a, a the very first iPhone still in the box untouched, it's worth at least 60 grand because the first iPhone never used, unopened, never left the box, 59 grand, 100 times more than its original price for the iPhone 1. And there are a lot of papers then this morning talking about um, stuff around pancakes, crepes. You know what? We've been laboring under a misapprehension for years that we've actually been eating crepes in Ireland. Sorry, that we've actually been eating pancakes in Ireland. We haven't apparently. We have been eating crepes. The difference being um, that you have to have a raising agent in it to make it a pancake. And who of us put raising agents uh, into our pancakes? It's like butter, isn't it? If, if you want, but it's certainly flour, milk, eggs. Maybe butter, maybe a little bit of salt, maybe molten butter. Um, but we'll come back to that later on this morning as the best batter, uh, because today's Pancake Tuesday and the start of Lent tomorrow. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Red FM. David Babington then shared audio of the uh, homophobic attack on him Sunday night online and unfortunately uh, he took an awful beating and the whole left side of his face is completely swollen up and his eye is out to 90 and it's awful and I'm quite sure that he's still uh, suffering psychologically, never mind the pain that he's going through. Um, he uh, is not in a position to come on air this morning because he's just too upset but he did share the story online regarding the attack on, on Sunday night. Have a listen to this. So what I'm about to show you is a bit shocking and I apologise in advance, but this happened to me last night when I left my friend Susan and Mandy to return to the Imperial Hotel. I passed the Rob Roy pub where this man in his 40s, a very big, big stocky man, started screaming, look at the faggot, look at the queer. And before I knew it, he punched me into the face. I fell onto the floor. I attempted to defend myself by hitting back and within seconds there was guards on the scene. To them I guess it looked like that I was part of the altercation. I was arrested. I was brought to the guard station. I was stripped almost naked down to my underwear and put in a cell for five hours. Because I was under the influence of alcohol, which I was, I understand, and they wouldn't really take me serious when I was saying that I was the one that was beat up on. To be a 43-year-old man and have to face this, to be gay-bashed at 43 in Cork City in this day and age is something that I just never had anticipated would happen to me again. It happened to me many times when I was younger. But yes, we're in a different Ireland. But this is the Ireland that we're in. To have to call my husband this morning to tell him come to Cork, pick me up, was horrendous. For Eden to see me like this was horrendous. She was genuinely scared when she saw me. I've been crying all morning. I'm in complete shock. And please, I understand the guards are doing their job and I understand this protocol maybe that you get arrested if you're involved in an altercation. Just the entire thing was just beyond shocking and unexpected. So yeah, this is what happened to me.
share that on his own social media channels on uh, yesterday morning, actually, and then I saw it. And I can only describe the attack as appalling. Uh, and of course, um, our thoughts are with him. Uh, and Gardy Shikona said there was no record, record of an assault being reported at that location, but the two men had been arrested. So we'll have to see what happens in, in that regard. But it follows on, of course, from yesterday morning, uh, where I was telling you that uh, the Lord Mayor Deirdre Ford, uh, and she had said it on this program some weeks back, but again, at the back end of last week on RTE, she said that she does not feel safe walking the streets of the city at night due to an increase in assaults and anti-social activity. I was contacted yesterday by Kevin Hurley, the president of the Cork Business Association, who wanted to respond to the comments of, of the Lord Mayor. Uh, and he joins me by phone now. Kevin, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm well. As it happens, uh, un- unfortunately, and I know that you have a job to do, it's hard to disagree with her when you hear what happened to David Babington just walking from a restaurant to his hotel on Sunday night in Cork City. Well, I, I just heard the story on your audio there about David, and that is that is really shocking. Um, in relation to the Lord Mayor, she does have a point. There are a lot of antisocial issues going on in the city. Um, and, you know, it's happening in every city in Ireland. And this is the point I'm trying to get across this morning to you and to your listeners. Mm-hmm. I was in Galway recently. I was in Dublin at the Ireland-France uh, game a couple of weeks ago. And what you're seeing up there is tenfold of what you're seeing in Cork. I'm not saying that Cork is perfect. We absolutely have our problems. There is a lot of drug addiction. There is a lot of homelessness and antisocial behaviour. Just what happened to David the other night. I had an assault in one of my stores last week, and that's what Deirdre was talking about on um, the Drive Time show last Friday evening. And I'm not denying that there isn't issues. But what I think... She said there was a bouncer assaulted in a city shop at 9pm. There's been a few knife crime incidents in the city and elsewhere. She was referencing one of your centres, was she? Correct. She was referencing one of my stores where there was an assault on the security guard um, by a guy trying to steal alcohol on, on last Thursday evening. Um, so look, what I'm, tr- what I'm trying to say, Neil, is absolutely there is the issues there, but we have an absolutely beautiful city and we have so much going for us um, as regards tourism, as regards beautiful streetscapes, as regards the fantastic people that we have living in this city. And, yeah, know, but, I mean, but streetscape, streets, yep. streetscape and beautiful buildings and all of this... Don't make people feel safe. It's other people will make you feel safe or unsafe. It's it's that's, it's not the bricks and true, mortar, yeah. you see. Unfortunately, we're 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 hitting a brick wall as well because we we have been in touch with the guards. We we're meeting them on a consistent basis, and to be fair to them, they're telling us that there's guardy retiring and leaving the force early, and they're just not getting the applications through. Um, as fast as they want, they ha- they're not getting people through Templemore as fast as they want. Unfortunately, it's it's a it's a situation that I'm dealing with my own business, trying to get staff as well. You know, yeah. yeah. Un- unfortunately, and while this isn't something that could be addressed to you because you're a business person, but many people contacting me say that there never seems to be a shortage of them with speed guns and speed checks and checkpoints. You see, particularly regarding, and I understand that speeding kills, but there you you could almost set your watch to where you'll know there'll be a speed check these days. And there'll be a squad car just sitting there on the side of the road, perhaps for hours on end. That's true. 
but that's the traffic core. That's the job that they have to do. I'm really talking about the, the guys in Angus Street and the Bridewell who are patrolling the sea centre. They're short-staffed. And, and, and that's that's the biggest issue in relation to the the issues that we're having on the streets. OK, but you you will have the, the CBA dinner this Saturday night. You will have Michal Martin there. You will have Simon Coveney there. You'll have Michael McGrath there. You'll have very senior police Garda officers uh, there as well. You'll have the city manager there, the chief executive. Will you be making, I mean, I know it's an awards night, but will, 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 will you be making any plea with regards to the city? The Lord Mayor will oh, be there I, herself, I'd imagine. So, you know what I mean? You have an opportunity to be heard. Yeah, we will. Um, and we've, we would have met all of those, the people that you just uh, described there. We've met them in our office over the last um, six to nine months. We've met with um, Michal Martin when he was Taoiseach. We've met with Simon. We've met with Michael McGrath. We've put our... Our, our, our case on the table to them. They're acutely aware of what's going on and I hope that in how, the next How are they acutely they aware? Will, when was the last time that Micheál Martin would have walked through the city on a well, Friday or a Saturday night? I don't know. I can't, I can't say when he walked through the city but I can certainly say that he was in our office and myself and the other members of the executive sat around the table and, and, and told him the issues but at the same time... But he'd pull time, up in a Mercedes, what? though. He'd have a driver. He Like, when did, when did he last pick up the vibe that people are experiencing in Cork City where they don't feel safe, particularly elderly people and lots of people at night. I mean, the Lord Mayor actually said there isn't a woman in Ireland that doesn't feel that way depending on the day or the hour that they're out. She's been very honest about it. I agree. I agree, Neil. But what I'm trying to say to you is it's 2023 and it's happening in every city in Ireland and it's happening in every city across Europe. There's a drug epidemic of, of heroin and, and benzos and all those different types of drugs and that's what's causing an awful lot of the problems and alcohol of course and you know until we can try and resolve that situation then it is going to continue and the other problem Neil is that the guards are getting caught up in court so if there's a, an assault or something like that True. they could be inside in court for eight hours when they could be out on the street or out on the street in the evening time patrolling and preventing these type of things from happening. True, true. I mean there are enough challenges anyway and the CBA would be very cognizant cognizant of them with regards to rents and, and rates and, you know, closed up businesses or empty buildings on Patrick Street, the cost of parking, all of those are issues that are leading to less footfall in the city, right? Um, well, there, there are those issues, but in defence, Patrick Street is really coming back. Mango has been announced. There's a, there's a decision imminent on the Debenhams building. We've had Dune opening up. We've had North Face opening up. So Patrick Street is certainly making a comeback. Obviously, the rates are, are still an issue, but to be fair, the council need to run the city. So, you know, I'm paying huge rates in my businesses across the city. And, you know, I, I'm happy to pay them because, you know, we have to have a city that's functional. Um, when you say that there's impending news on Debenhams. Can you, can you elaborate on that in any way? Well, we were told recently at a meeting that it's gone sale agreed. So we're just waiting the powers that be to, to come back and say who it is. And hopefully, you know, whoever takes it, um, you know, whoever buys it, hopefully they'll, they'll put whatever they're going to put, be it residential or there was talks of a cinema, talks of a bowling alley, all sorts of different tar- types of talk, what was going to go in there. But I think it's a huge, it's a huge um, site smack in the, the city centre. So I think it'll be great. Now, I would say one other thing, Neil, I count my footfall figures in my stores in the city centre on a weekly basis. Myself, my, my brother Brian would. And 
last week we were up 40% versus last year. Yeah, so that's, that, that, shows that's fantastic. It, and let's accentuate yeah. the positive. The negative, negative, of course, is that a centre shop and other shops in the city centre actually need static security on their front door. That's sad, isn't it? It is. And that's one thing that the government said to me when I when I met with them and told them that that's what I was doing in my business. They were like, really? They couldn't believe it. And I said, yeah, this is the life we live now. And I, when I'm doing my budgets every year with, with Brian, my brother, we, we, we sit down, we say, right, security for this store is going to be X amount of money for the next year. And we put that into our, our budgets and our profit and loss account. And, and, you know, that's just it's part and parcel of the business, unfortunately. Okay, well, I don't have the details in front of me now. I know you have the big awards night on Saturday night. That will be awarding different Cork businesses from different sectors of business um, uh, throughout the throughout the, the, the city and in the suburbs. Isn't that the case? That's right, Neil. Um, we have our Cork uh, Business Association President's Dinner next Saturday night and we are also our business awards. So there's about 12 awards in total from everything from cafe to restaurant, best small business, best large business, best hotel and so on and so forth. And also we will award then at the end um, an award called the Champion of Cork. And this would be somebody who has got up and beyond, above and beyond um, for either business or for charity in Cork. Past winners would have been Katrina Toomey um, and, other, and other people like that. So that's a really big part of it. We have about 40 tickets left. Uh, well, that was yesterday evening. It could could have reduced since then. Um, so it, I would I would encourage anyone that wants to come along and have, it's a great night because you're not just getting a normal dinner at this. It's called the Taste of Cork, where we bring chefs in from all different hotels and restaurants right throughout Cork City and County, and they're cooking local produce, a huge wow. amount of it from the English market. Mega. So we've got the likes of Aidan O'Driscoll from Barry's and Douglas. Um, Mirren Manzor from the Blue Haven in, in Kinsale and Giovanni Cavalli from the Radisson. So all these different chefs, they're not really competing with each other, but they're going to bang out some serious food. Um, and for, for, for somebody that's been at about 25 black tie things in the last year, I have to say this is going to be a really good one. And I so, suppose it's good um, to have black tie events back anywhere, any kind of events back considering what we went through. <laughs> absolutely. I'm assuming that people will remember their table manners and all that <laughs> yeah well i mean like it, it's 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 great to, to have them back and we're we're really looking forward to it. and thank you uh, neil by the way for being our mc on saturday Not at all. i'll we're see you saturday night a couple of tickets yeah. left for it on okay. saturday night if people want to pick up the tickets where will they get it online for the cba uh, they're on cba awards uh dot, 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 IE. So okay. just just google that and, and you can you can purchase them it's very easy to purchase through okay. uh through strike okay thank you for coming all back right. to me appreciate that following up on what the lord mayor had to say um of course recently and indeed an example of uh, how safe or unsafe people might feel with regards to uh, David Bamington and what happened to him on Sunday night, which of course was an appalling homophobic attack. Frank says, uh, actually just ahead of that, Texter says here, had it on the screen there a second ago, let me get it back here again. The Lord Mayor's point was the lack of Gardee on the streets. I know for a fact at one stage last week there were zero Gardees, Gardee or cops as the texter says, texter says on the streets of Cork. We got calls standing by, we got uh, Grace and Frank but just after the ad break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106-Corks-Red-FM. Yeah, back to text in a few minutes' time. Frank is standing by. First up, Grace, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you for your text. I noticed the very end of it says, Cork is a great city, but there's a lot more than that because you work as a taxi driver, right? 
Yes, I do, Neil. And it's, it came to my attention on Saturday night when I was out because the people in my car wanted to know how long I was doing the job. And I said, I'm going into the 22 years. And do you feel safe? I goes, yeah. I said, of course I do. I said, why would you say that? So then that's when I heard what the Lord Mayor had said. And I said, how dare she say that about my city? Yeah, like but... Neil, like Neil in the end of the day, right? But taxi drivers haven't been haven't been safe in the past, um, and have been attacked in the past, and robbed in the past. And so has and so has the guardy, and so have the fire brigade. We, in the end of the day, Neil, that's part and parcel of the job that we do. Because at night time, when people are out and they have a few drinks on board, they can get narky, but it can be easily taken care of because you're just you know you talk them down. And I've had situations, Neil, in the years I've been doing taxi driving, and I've talked to people down. But in the end of the day, she's our first citizen of Cork City, and people are only getting back on their feet from the COVID. And people that are coming into the city will be Googling all about Cork. And to hear the Lord Mayor saying she can't walk the streets of Cork in certain parts. Like me, like oh well, she not, certainly hasn't done us any favors with regards to no. people wanting to spend a weekend in Cork. <laughs> I mean, with you yeah, there. Today, like, she's turning around and saying, "Well, I don't feel safe." Sure, how can she feel safe? She, she's driving around in a car, being chauffeur-driven. Yeah, but I mean, she wasn't always the first citizen. There would have been a lot of times when she would have been out and about just as a member of the public. Oh, and I agree with you. But in the end of the day, Neil, she can't turn around and say. I go and feel safe in my city. Why was, has she been attacked? Has she been abused? You know, unfortunately, the incident that happened to David Bannister the other night was a shocking incident. So he's walking down one of the side streets having left a restaurant and he's going back to his hotel room. Some idiot decides to call him, um, you know, uh, the F word and the, and the Q word and whatever. Which is very, he, very wrong. He, he may have stopped and said something along the lines of, what did you just say? And your man hits him. Shocking, absolutely shocking, absolutely shocking. Neil. But like as I said to the people in my car the other night, like I said, it's like she's not doing our city any favour. Coming on and saying like she she can't walk certain areas of Cork. Where is she talking about? Well, uh, there, there was no actual detail as to where she was talking about, but she was talking for increased guard presence. Uh, who wouldn't but agree? Oh, sure, even the guards would agree with that. But Shanil, as I spoke to you before about the Gardaí, on a Saturday night, from, Mar- from Father Matthew's statue to the start of the Grand Parade, you won't find one guard. You might find a few down by the fountain, but you'll find no guard from Father Matthew's statue to the Grand Parade. I've often seen fights break out on Partick Street, and you'd drive along, and you, I might put down the window, and I'd say, sorry, there are guards there. So I'd say, all right, yeah, we, we'll make our way up there now. Half dead by the same thing. Yeah, but you're like they, they, they don't have the powers of bilocation. If they're in one place and something kicks off in another place, they have to get there. They can't anticipate crime or assault. No, not, and I agree with you, uh, Neil. But when you ring them up then and you say to them, say, um, there's a fight there breaking out, Patrick. All oh, right, yeah, we can see that there now on the CCTV. As, sure. it, as it's what's a bit too laissez-faire about the I reaction think, time. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, what's the point in you seeing on the CCTV? As I said to the guard, I said, my car could be smashed up by the time we got here. Right, yeah, we have a patrol car there now in the area. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. Neil, you're in the car. Like, like as I said, Neil, like, I work at night. And I have never 
been afraid in my taxi. Okay, okay. Not, not only that, but you also say that you would walk anywhere at night and I wouldn't would feel afraid. I would walk the streets of Park City, length and breadth. Okay. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about it. No, dear to Ford wants to come walking with me. She's not a bother. But other taxi drivers then have said to me, you want to be in the back of my taxi on a Friday night in and around the city centre, Grand Parade, Washington Street, places like that, and the carry-on of people. Um, now, a, a lot of it is just messy. I know that. I mean, it's, it's not any kind of serious assaults they're talking about. But anyone can get into the back of the taxi. And when they're in, you can't get them out. And then they're doing runners or they're getting sick in the back of the taxi or they're eating food in the back. You don't get any of that. Well, do you know what now, Neil? When people come towards my car with food, the first thing I say to them is, you print the boot there now because you're not coming to my car with food. So a female, there was a female on air yesterday, a woman, a security guard who has security officer, bouncers we used to call him, says that she believes that women are much, Ash was her name, she believes that women are much better at talking down potential trouble than men. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Totally agree with that. Mm. Like I, I, I speak to my friends in the taxis at the end of the night and they go, Jesus, whatever. And I go, God, did you have a bad night? Oh, don't talk to me about this one or that one or Jesus, this fella gave me a bit of hassle. Did you do have any hassle, Grace? And I go, no, no, I don't have any hassle. Mm. I like somebody likes to be laughing and they go, so I wouldn't hassle you either. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> stay, well, stay safe. Look after yourself. I'll try my best. Please. Take care. Grace Doherty. Uh, oh, Doherty, I should say. Taxi driver on Leaside. Um, some people are saying very good things about us, incidentally. I saw the travel editor with the Irish Independent recently who was... Um, they're planning on doing a travel feature on Cork for the Irish Independent for one of their weekend magazines. And he literally asked people on Twitter to give recommendations. He says, could you suggest two great things to do in Cork City? Massive response to it. Um, and I want to just drill into some of those in a few minutes time. But just ahead of that, Pat, good morning. No, my apologies. It's actually, fra- uh, let me get lines. No, Pat's on three. Sorry, I thought he was on four. Pat, go ahead. Morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, um, we had the Garda Representative Association, Garda Sergeants and Inspectors and people like that on the air last week. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, basically, the, the, uh, he, he spoke about uh, that these, uh, when they're finished their night's duty, they have to go to their home, their homes and their families. Um, that lady was just on before, highlighted some of the problems within Angarda Shikana. When you call, you get this uh, fobbed off. And like... The situation that was highlighted on the paper there today in the incident in Dublin. Ballyfermot. Yeah, that did not develop overnight. That developed over years. And I have seen 20 years of that. I have seen that type of policing. And even it comes up uh, in the media there about they now want to have transport policing. I said this. These scurriers that are on transport, they're coming from communities and they are basically not seeing any form of law and order in them communities and then they get brave enough to go on transport and intimidate people but, on transport. But that's not that's not the makings or the doings of Angarda Shikana. The, the fact that we have the, the fact that a train the fact that a train had to stop again from Dublin yeah, no, to Cork recently the point I'm getting for Gardaí to get onto the train. I no, mean, that, no, no. like that's that, that's a new low. I mean, if you've got to, if you have to have Gardaí on the Lewis and the Dart and Irish Rail, there's something seriously wrong with wrong with this country. And what's seriously wrong is these people that are on the trains and on the buses are not dealt with in the communities that they're in. 
and I've seen this and it's, it's a creating mental health issues for young kids that have to go on playstations every day because they can't go out and play in their area it's creating what about the old people that's in them estates and they at the end of their days trying to um, live in this mayhem is what you see and guards oh yeah should we get a care up now in the next hour and should we have a bit of look that have each other killed at that stage this is what we have now what's unfortunate there is we have this culture uh, with 20 or 30 years in this now the man that's in charge of this the Garda Commissioner is a fantastic guy and this is why an awful lot of them are resigning because what he's in doing and it's the best thing they've done was brought people in from the PSNI because what happened in an awful lot of the cases was these guards went up along the ranks and they were no different at Garda level or at high commissioner level or assistant commissioner level they, they got away with a culture of doing nothing and ignoring communities and allowing antisocial behaviour to uh, develop and destroy people's lives like my own I have I have had to leave business. Businesses are affected. The type of policing... What happened to you? I mean, without I naming names. I can't get into it, and I do not wish to, for safety reasons, because I do not have a police force to protect me, OK? I do not. The same as the Lord Mayor was saying, she can't walk the streets. And as much as we fob this off in whatever way we do, there's problems in our society. We need to deal with them, unfortunately. Now, you hear about the numbers, and this comes up an awful lot of the time, about Garda numbers. One of the reasons the Garda numbers are down is the morale of the Garda themselves. I often went with incidents They can't here. get people to join. No, no. I often went with incidents here and I'd go to sit the Garda station. He'll be back on in three days' time. I'd go to the Garda and say, oh no, he's off sick. He's off sick because he, he's gone into a job where he's finding it impossible to do because he's finding that those people have been neglected with years upon years in housing estates and they're actually uncontrolled so you so, have a criticism of the people that, that some of the people that councils put into public the, authority the, the housing Councils have responsibilities and the unfortunate situation you have then is the guards are saying if you didn't put them in we wouldn't have to go up there. You have the council saying well we put them in it's up to you to deal with them. And you have a merry-go-round one blaming the other and nobody wants to take responsibility for it. We, what I feel there now and this is in respect to some of these people some of these people need help to, uh, it, that they'll be allowed to integrate in society and that everyone will be able to live their lives on a daily basis because life is tough enough without the hardship of what we hear with the live cost of living and everything without putting up with this and without seeing your child in there on a playstation that can't even go out and play and has mental health issues and we saw the thing with KMs the, the policing we're seeing in this country is costing this country an awful lot in businesses in mental health in in health issues even okay. and we need to see a police force that's up to the job or else call it a day and I'm not I'm uh, over the 20 years I've come across three or four remarkable um, guards but other than that we have a culture and it's right across the civil service you have this person that's there for the for the 30 or 40 years and he's getting away with whatever he's getting away with ah, but that's and a swinging attack on all guardy no no I'm not whinging attack I'm whinging attack no it's a swinging attack, no, it's a swinging on attack on against them you're saying they're just clocking control over that person there you saw that case he was due to be yeah, well, over a Garda station if he didn't hand in his phone that's and one. you can imagine that's the one. morale in that Garda station and he running with his coercive control Alright let me get some more calls on the air thank you for your contribution as always uh, better to have a caller on the air than a texter but no, I'm happy with the text as well Joanna texted but did agree to come on Joanne good morning 
Um, can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very sorry. What happened to you? Sorry to hear about this, but it, when was it? September? Yeah, September. What happened? Um, I was out in um, a nightclub in Cork City and um, myself and another girl were in the smoking area and um, we were just chatting and this girl came up and started pointing at the girl I was speaking to and she was trying to say that we were talking about her or something I can't really remember. Okay, what it did say is that you were in chambers, uh, got a bad beating, face ended up unrecognisable. Both you and another girl, both of whom are lesbians, were assaulted in the smoking area. um, Yeah unprovoked by a girl that you didn't know? Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the assault like? First of all, she started giving you verbals, was it? Uh, yeah, I just literally turned my back because I, I, did, I didn't know the girl or anything and then she caught, caught me from behind, got me onto the floor, started kicking me into the back, the head. I was literally, dis- I was destroyed. I was very badly beaten. Um, another girl brought me to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and my whole face was destroyed. It was very bad. And then um, the guards were called. She was, she was obviously, she was thrown out. But I think she ran before they got the chance to throw out. And it was just always terrible. And the guards came to a statement. But yeah, the girl was also beaten up. But she wasn't as bad as me. I took the brunt of it because I was like, I was closer to her than the other girl. Why do people no, do I that? Think, I mean, what, what was her problem? Like, was she off her head or what? I, I like, to be honest, I don't know the girl that's done it to me. Uh, obviously, I do. I know who done it to me now. I like, because it's going through. Yeah. Well, um, don't say any more. Don't say any more about no, that. I just wanted the broad statement yeah. of what happened yeah, to you. Let the rest yeah, of it happen no, if the girl um, investigates. It was totally unprovoked and it was all on CCTV and like, they know it was unprovoked. Basically, I was, very shocked. I was never ever like all my ears going out in town. I was never ever touched. Never even showed that nothing. So it was a complete shock. You know, it was like and when I heard and the boy while going on the radio, I was like, that happened to me too. And I was saying to my mom, like, do you know, I want people to know that this is happening all the time. It's okay, so are you're referencing people. what happened to David Babington on Sunday night, just yeah. walking from the yeah. restaurant back to his hotel yeah. on uh, the uh, on the South Mall, are you are you saying that it, you were attacked because of your uh, because you're gay? Um, well, I'm I'm not too sure, but because one would think that you'd be very safe in a gay club being gay. You think that? I I suppose you would think that, but I think that's that's like we were all, like I was only out on the weekend with my friend, and my friend was attacked outside the same bar with a load of eggs. What? And what, all how did that happen? What, what happened? Um, she was walking her friend to the bus and um, uh, people pulled up in cars and say chambers and were bashing them all with eggs but she was also bashed as well which I thought was a disgrace and I was saying oh my god you need to get the reg like you know they, someone needs to pay for this like they can't be getting away with this but she didn't want to go so, somebody, so they pulled up in a car outside Chambers Saturday night Yeah. and were people going in and out of Chambers um, no it was, it was closed we okay. weren't in there it was, it they was started closed. battering eggs at Chambers yeah. at the people there yeah yeah that's basically what happened oh my god yeah. oh my god how do you feel now about going out after that attack no I have I have been out after but it's very shaking 
like you'd be afraid to even to drink like because I was not blaming myself afterwards I was like I wish I was more alert but I was like even if I was more if I wasn't drunk I was like I still I, I wouldn't have been able like I, I never fought so I wouldn't have been able to fight her you know and as well she can't be from behind I didn't even know what was going on you know Yeah. and I was just question in my head why did she do it to me why like she was like the beating I got she was full of rage and anger like my I was absolutely so badly beaten that like even my mum like when my mum saw me she was so shocked and crying they were all my whole family were nobody expects really, that really to happen to a child who no. goes out because she'll always be your child You'll always be yeah. our child, I should say. We go out and hopefully come home safe. You must have been in an awful yeah. state the next day and in fierce I, pain. I was, for... I was afraid to even ring my mum when it happened because I didn't want to frighten her. And the next day when I came to the house to show her what had happened to me because the guards wanted me to go to the hospital, but I just wanted to go home. I was, I didn't know, I, I didn't understand why it happened to me and why did this, do you know, I, I, I was, all these things were going through my head. Like, what, why did this happen? What did we do? You know what I mean? And I'm saying like, is there, have, a lot, is, there, is there a lot of homophobic attacks or name-calling? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know, like, to be honest with you, this is my, ev- like, ever attack. This is my, like, first time ever seen anything like this. You know what I mean? Like, I thought, I've no problem coming out and telling people I'm a lesbian. I, I really don't. Like, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm saying, like, no, after that, you would be afraid. You don't know what people's reaction is going to be. And it's just, it's worrying. And it's worrying for people going out, like for kids going out, you know what I mean? So you would be, you would be very aware of your surroundings now when you're out. You would be very aware of, you know, how you behave in public. You, You should be able to be openly gay and express your gayness in public, just like a straight person should be able to. But would you, you'd be slow to maybe even be affectionate in public? Well, I suppose, no, maybe, yeah, but, like, it, that shouldn't be the case. No, it shouldn't, it shouldn't no, of like course, that. no, of course it shouldn't. It's, it's You know, and I'm saying, it's, it's even for straight people, like, straight people can get attacked as well. I'm not just saying it's gay people, but I'm just saying people don't seem to care because I don't think that they're being punished for what they do. Like, I don't know if this girl going to actually be punished for what she done to me or she's just going to get a slap on the wrist and go do it again, you know what I mean? Okay, well... Let the Gardaí get on with their investigations yeah. and, and, and do come back if there is if there's any update. Yeah. yeah, the guys are fantastic and they've been in contact from day one and they're brilliant. So I'm thankful of that, you know. Okay, well, look after yourself. Uh, do look after yourself, Joanne. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers. Mind yourself. Thanks very much. Uh, I hadn't walked around the city for a while until yesterday. I was disappointed to see how many run how rundown the city centre has become with so many empty units that once had long-standing businesses there. Our much-loved city deserves much better. And a final one, this side of 10. I visited Cork City regularly, or I visit. Uh, it is definitely on the slide and overall feels like it has changed for the worse. The inner city is full of decaying and abandoned buildings. More and more homeless in doorways, begging or zoned out on drugs. Definitely feels a more threatening place to visit. Uh, can I also add there was zero Garda presence. Always loved Cork City, but it looks jaded and certainly neglected. Text 0868 back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Um, just earlier I was saying that... Uh, Mick Barry is absolutely snapping over the uh, retention of the 9% VAT rate. I just wanted to mention this because he's been, they're, they're going to get it to stay in place until August, apparently. There was talk that it would revert back to 13.5% uh, at the start of March. That's not going to happen. He's quoted as saying, the biggest hotels in the country are getting an extension of their lucrative tax break while households are struggling to keep their heads above water and have their 200 euro electricity credit taken away from them. Uh, Mick Barry says it's one law for the rich and one law for everybody else. And it's a kick in the teeth uh, for struggling families. He says the tax break has been in place for 11 of the last 12 years and has largely been pocketed by the industry without being passed on to consumers in the form of lower prices or passed on to workers in the form of higher pay. Extending the 9% rate for a further six months will cost the Irish taxpayer an estimated €225 million. And much of the difference in the reduced VAT rate will go into the pockets of the biggest hoteliers in Ireland. Uh, text 0868104106 on that and lots more besides. Now, my apologies, I didn't get to Edward uh, before 10, but Edward, good morning. Morning, Nick. Uh, I just want to pick up on our conversations this morning. Go ahead. Yeah, I suppose, look, firstly, anyway, the, the, the situation there with David. Um, David was a victim of a crime. David was then arrested, brought into a cell, stripped past down, and kept for five hours. Yeah, he was. He and, was. And, and, and so God loved the man, his attitude was the guards were just doing their job. Yeah, that I thought that attitude. was that was interesting, actually. He kind of understood. Ridiculous. He says, yeah. No, ridiculous. He was a victim of a crime at the end of the day. The guards, what, like what should have happened is the guards should have checked the CCTV. They should have had both parties in the back of a car or a van separately, whatever. Check the CCTV. Blatantly, it's obvious that David was the victim. Instead, he was arrested. And imagine, imagine being attacked like that, right? Completely out of nowhere when all you were doing was moseying back from your restaurant to a hotel. Probably had a good old evening. And he's sitting half naked, shaking in the bridewell. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. But it, like he, he even said himself in the audio that I played that it might be hard for the Gardaí to work out who's to blame and who's the victim. So both that's are arrested. That, that's relevant. That's re- like, so that, that, they need to change their system then. They need to change their system. Then I won't go into the details, but I was in a similar situation myself. Um, I, 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 and that's probably... The like if you're attacked and you try and defend yourself, and that's what I, you're doing... That's, that's another thing I was going to say. Like, I mean, it, you get, He got arrested for that. Now, yeah, subsequently, I, I'm I quite sure the guard he worked out what went on, you know? If he threw a punch back, and if the guy who initiated the whole attack wants to press a charge, he can be charged and convicted. David can be convicted. Of assault. Okay. And if he okay. left, if he left the mark on the man's body, it's a section three assault, which is a serious assault. If he pushed him, that's a section two assault. Okay. But a section three assault, if, if somebody, well, if we should be able to up, defend ourselves if somebody comes at us. Like. But this is this is it, like you know what I mean. But this is it. But like, and there's all there's a lot of red tape around self defence laws in Ireland. Like, I mean, if a burglar comes into my house. And I don't know what his intentions are with kids in my ho- kids in my house, or he might be there for the telly. He might be there to my left one of my kids in their bed. I don't know. I'm going to treat it like the latter, like it's the worst case scenario, and I'm going to beat him to a bloody well pulp. Mm. Right? I think I think but, you are. I think you are allowed some form of defence. Bollocks! I'm sorry, excuse my French, but it's, that's not true. It's not like you 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 can still get charged. You, you like again, if I have three young children in my house, and somebody breaks into my house, right? 
and I defend my, my family, okay, and I beat the man up or whoever comes into my house, and if I then restrain him until the guard he come, you could be done for false imprisonment, section three assault, all these things. Like I mean, oh yeah, it's reasonable force. There's no, there's, I've, I've never heard of anybody who has had an attacker come into their house that they've managed to get the better of in the house. There's legislation that was passed, and this probably is even going back to um, that Again, incident with the Frog Ward. In 2011, legislation provides that a person may use force against an intruder to protect his dwelling if he believes the intruder has entered the property to commit a crime and if the force used by him is such as he believes to be reasonable in the circumstances to protect himself, his property, or indeed his family. Uh, but it's not what he sees as reasonable, it's what the judge sees as reasonable. And if the person who either broke in... or the Well, I'm only telling you what the law says. It says you oh, can oh, use oh, force oh, against oh, an intruder. A hundred percent. But then, right, so I'm walking down Patrick Street at David, right? At David, obviously, right, David obviously isn't a big fighter, but, like, you can tell, and he was, he was quite shocked by the whole thing, so he's not used to, or mightn't have come across a lot of violence in his life, thank God, right? But if he's... If, if I'm set upon by two guys in Patrick Street, okay, and I'm just speaking hypothetically here now, and I know this for a fact from, just I just keep it, so I'll say no more, but I just say hypothetically. If I'm set on by two guys, right, completely random, I'm, and, and, and it's, my hands are clearly up, like, like saying, lads, what are you doing? I don't want any trouble, blah, 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 blah. And guy one hits me, and I hit him back, and I knock him out, okay? And then his friend, I get into a tussle with his friend, and I get the better of his friend. I'm not going to make it, to the end of Patrick Street without being arrested. Mm, mm, mm. Guards did, didn't see how it kicked off, you see. you got to look at it through the then, lens then, of... Then, then they don't bring a victim, strip a victim down and put him in those cells. Those cells are disgusting. And that's the last place a victim of a crime needs to be. And this is this goes on... But if they don't know who board. started it, what are they supposed to do? Go in and check the CCTV. Okay. Like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen cops, Neil, or anything at all like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. In any other country. What they do is if there's a call-out, whether it be a domestic call-out, whether it be a bar fight, whether whatever, two patrol cars will land on, they'll put both parties inside, they'll take both in the car, they'll take both parties in the car, what happened? Another officer then will go in and check the cameras and they'll, they'll know then who, who, who instigated, who started it. The guy who started it gets arrested, the other guy says, right, do you need any medical assistance? Do you need anything like that? He wasn't offered that, he was brought to a bloody well cell. The bride with. Mm, okay, but you but you I, do I, accept I, I, but you I, I, do I, I, accept now that homeowners locked into a bar toilet at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night to be inside no cells. He was the victim of a crime. If it right. was a woman, okay. was have woman you been in? Have you been in them? I have, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, okay. Uh, look, I'm 32 years of age. I was a messy young fellow. My own business now. When I was in my 20s and things like that, you know, I've never been in prison or anything all like that. I was just a bit of wild young fella. Yeah. but I have been in them. Okay, and okay. Uh, that, that's the last place. Somebody, he sounds very shook and he sounds like a, a nice, timid guy. Fair enough. But that's the last place he should have been. Okay, and you've made the points very well and I've, gi- I've given you examples how people now have a legal right to uh, defend themselves. In fact, Irish Central, I was reading an article just as you were talking uh, and that, that would be the American perspective on life in Ireland. They're saying Irish homeowners now have the legal right to shoot intruders. That's a typical American version of, of the law when they look at it through their eyes. I mean, you and, have and to... That, you know, should like, be the law. that should be the law. Well, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I think reason reasonable right to defend yourself but like I, I don't think I don't think you want to live in a world where somebody with a legally held shotgun and somebody opens their front door and they don't recognise them and they shoot him in the chest like oh, well there's a difference between opening the front door and them coming in through the back door at 2 o'clock in the morning 
and he's a 60 year old farmer so do you think that somebody who has a legally held firearm and somebody comes in through a back window and you're upstairs you come down blow them back out the window blow them back out the window 100% you don't like if if I'm a 60 year old farmer my, my elderly wife is with me. The nearest guards, if, I, if you ring the guards, they could take an hour to get out here. I'm dead and buried by then. Okay. Can I, can I just ask you before you go, because you said you were yeah. a wild young fella. Um, yeah. Did you just get cop on or what? Did you just, just kind of... I, 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 I got sobriety. It was a big part of it. Well done. A big, big part of it, well, yeah. And yeah. do you look back at those days and think, oh my God, thank God I sorted myself out? I, I was going down a slippery road. Look, as I said, I never ended up in kind of major serious trouble. Like, but I, I, I've been before the courts for just petty things, you know. Um, and I suppose ten years later, I've my, my own business, my own home, all that kind well of done, man. I you wouldn't have. I didn't, if yeah. I didn't on, you know. You turned it around. Cheers, Edward. Stay in touch. No, Appreciate you taking yeah. the call. Back after the break. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Joe standing by. Frank as well. Next. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on oh eight one eight. 104106 Red FM. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We've got uh, Joe on line three. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil, my ah, friend. Good Long to time. talk to you, brother. Hope you're keeping well. How are you, incidentally? Okay, Neil, getting on with it. There's a few problems still, but I know more on Monday now. I'm getting okay, results of biopsies okay. and stuff. But, right, like, well. I'm fine. Much better than I was, and your donuts helping off. <laughs> Okay, well, fingers crossed yeah. for you that everything works out in your favour. Listen, very much. Uh, I was chatting. I was chatting there with uh, Joanne before uh, ten o'clock and the attack in Chambers, and then of course David Babington got a bad beating and was set upon. Uh, very homophobic remarks made, verbally assaulted, and then physically assaulted. Um, your your thoughts on that? I mean, as as a gay man, a gay couple, I was quite shocked, Neil, because I'm very. Um open, you know what I mean? Down myself, we'd walk around Douglas, we'd hold hands, we'd go into John's, we'd hold hands. I, you know, it's just an impulse. Yeah. I never even think about it. Yeah. But yeah. now, I don't know what I do in Pastor Street, to be honest with you, but now having, having listened to your program this morning, I would think twice about it. But I did think those days were kind of gone now, or those things were going. You know, maybe because you're a minority, they'll never go. But I did think that we were safe enough to walk down the street holding hands. There, like there was a kids. time, I mean, you and I will recall the 80s were, were particularly bad. There was a term which I thought we'd seen the back of, which was gay bashing. Oh, Jesus, me sure I never forget it. Even going into a nightclub, we'd be about 20 minutes before you go in waiting for someone to get off the street. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't Graffy feel safe. On my wall, Joe was a faggot, Joe was this, and all these photographs of, you know, situations with men. Um... But I went through it all. I went through, you know, you faggot, you yeah. bumbai, you yeah. shortlifter, all this being called. But, you know, it never really bothered me to such because there was no violence. But listen to this now. It, it says, enough, yeah, it says an awful lot about the person who does the name calling, you know. I mean, there's been many studies about the people who are doing the name calling themselves. That, mm-hmm. that they themselves have issues with their own sexuality and that's why well, they're calling. You know, do you, you know that? To be very honest, to be very honest, I, I had a situation where someone was quite like that and I see him inside in the club then a few years after. You know what I mean? It's rather hypocritical. Yeah. It's kind of sad yeah. really, for, you know. Absolutely. But what's sad, Neil, is that you have to think about it now, you know what I mean? I did literally think those days were over. You could walk down the street, hold hands. But now I find myself, after this morning, geez, are we safe to do that, you know? Yeah, you probably find a character like that may not have picked a two. And, and you guys are big, muscular men, yourself and Darren. So if you're walking oh, down... Oh, Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know I, what I mean? I mean, I've seen, I've seen the two of you. I mean, you know, like, uh, you'd be well able to defend yourself. But a man on yeah. his own, though, is very isolated, you know? 
very, uh, very a man and woman. It, it, it is. And if, if, if I was on my own, I think I'd cower down. I wouldn't be great for self-defense now. I think I'd just roll in a ball and, you know, protect yeah. myself. But but Neil, um, will we ever reach a, will we ever reach a stage where everybody is is safe from name calling or assault? I don't know, Neil. You know, we've been watching all these um, protests now again, refugees and things like that. I don't know. I think there's a sector out there that will always look for a reason to be to be bullies. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. Neil, like if I were walking down Douglas now with down one gang of lads said one that's your boyfriend I said no it's my husband but they were more interested than they were just know, curious and talked to them yeah we're to down we were walking down and this gang of lads and girls were well, that's your boyfriend because I think we're holding hands or something and I went back and said no it's my husband we ended up having a conversation and they were mad about it by the time we left so took more curiosity with them than anything you yeah but you mean? might have been on alert before you realised that they were just Interested? You, you you might have thought something differently uh, when they oh, asked. Oh yeah, you, yeah. yeah you, you get that I mean? lump in your stomach. Yeah, you would get that yeah, lump in your stomach. I know that knot in your stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's it, coming it, now? What's next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there's always one. Yeah, there's always one in a group that's provado. So you know, but sometimes I would go up and say, "Are you okay, lads?" or something like that. You know. Yeah, probably not the best thing to do, though. Not the best thing to do. No. It's okay, as you say, if you're with somebody else. But sometimes then you'd find, you know, one guy said, my dad isn't gay. Well, I said, isn't he? That's his loss, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, just but put that down into curiosity more than anything else. Curiosity, you know? yeah, especially yeah. when the referendum there were going around campaigning, people are really great at asking us questions and the whole lot, you yeah. know. But do you go out one in man- the, just do you go out in the city? Would you be in the city at night? No, I'm going to town at all now. Why? If I, go in, I wouldn't feel safe and there's okay. nothing in town, it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. Like, it, it, it is depressing. Every doorway you pass, there's, there's somebody inside. I wouldn't feel safe, Neil. Yeah, absolutely, okay. I wouldn't yeah. feel safe. And you know another thing, and I find... As great people are feeding people and clothing them on the streets, it's amazing putting up these camps. But there's a certain element then that come come and are high and they're off their heads and they're drunk and they're arrogant. Because I was in town one day now and there's in Park Street outside Easton's, the old Easton's or the old Savoy. And, you know, there are people getting clothes and food and all that, mm. which is fantastic. But you need to have a guard or two guards around at the time yeah. as possible. Yeah. Because I didn't feel safe, and there was one fellow road, and there's another next to me across the road. I literally crossed the road not to pass it. And Sad. you could yeah. hear the road, and I shout, and you could hear people looking back, you know what I mean? Mm. There was kids going into the ice cream park today and what. So you think a lot of people are just sticking to the suburbs now? In your case, say, for instance, Douglas, somebody else, it might be oh, yeah. Glanmire or Blarney or. You know, areas like that, they, they wouldn't come into town. They'd stay local. And there's, no need, there's nothing to bring us into town. You have a few of the bars like electric now and things like that. But no, for, for the danger is it worth it and getting a taxi and waiting for taxi. Will someone come along while you're waiting for taxi? So it's, it's not worth it. Okay. I wouldn't go around the Grand Parade anywhere like that, hillbillies, anywhere like that. I'd be very nervous. Okay, mind yourself, Joe. Thanks for Neil, taking the call. Um, can I just say to him, will you ring me again because I have a business proposition for you? <laughs> and I've come up with an invention and I'm hoping you can, you can, you can help me with it. <laughs> oh, we're not going to discuss it now on the air, is it? No, gonna... no, no. We'd have to, we'd have to go through first because it's not very PC, you know. So you might have to help me. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm all for non-PC, so I'll give you a call. <laughs> all right, okay. Thanks, Neil. Bye, bye. Cheers for now, Joe. Take care, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Thanks for uh, holding. Go ahead. 
no trouble. I would like to say that I'm 100% behind Deirdre Ford and what she came out and stated, right? Because... She doesn't feel is, safe walking the streets of the city no. because of the increase in assaults and antisocial behaviour. She says she's speaking on behalf of a lot of women in Ireland. Uh, but she's talking about... Well, I, think I can tell you, though, she's speaking on behalf of a lot of men as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. Uh, Cork City was a beautiful city... Everybody know everybody. We can go about our business and all that. That's gone, right? And, you know, in fairness to the lady, I'm not politically involved with any organisation or political party, but I do commend her for, say, for, for what she said. It's the truth. And it's high time that somebody with somebody close came out and said it. We have all our councillors and politicians and the whole lot going about their business. Most of them don't go into the city centre. The three main big people in, in Irish politics in Cork, they're driven around in big cars. They don't walk the streets of Cork. Mm-hmm. Some of people won't go into Cork City even now during the day, right? Now, one thing I will say, um, and you, I know people might disagree with me, I personally think that um, outside of having more guards on the street is one solution. A big solution, I think, and the big problem is the Simon community. I think the Simon community should be taken out of Cox City and relocated to somewhere out of the countryside. Uh, you can't tell you do that. Sure, the service users wouldn't be... What would they do then? How would they get out into yeah, the country? Well, no, they, they, should be, they should be taken out to this place, right? And rehabilitated properly. Setting up these uh, methadone <coughs> clinics and everything around the city. That's not solving the problem. Yeah, the, yeah, we we had no we had no problems in Cork City until we got a drug epidemic, and that's what we do have, right? The road dealing openly on the streets. There's no law and order, right? And if these people were taken out of the city, out to somewhere well up the countryside, away from the general public as such, right? And maybe. If they were trained into, we say, growing vegetables, cutting wood, making... That would be the last thing on their minds uh, when they're looking for the next fix. They need rehab. Oh, well, they yeah, need, but yeah. They, they need treatment as well, Neil. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying that there should be a treatment centre, right? All these people on drugs, right? They should be asked the question, do you want to stay living your life like this on drugs or do you want to be re- rehabilitated, right? yeah. yeah. And there should be a centre there where they can be rehab- rehabilitated. Okay, good points. Well, right? mate, you, you also wanted I, to talk about um, uh, the Gardaí in modern day society versus the Gardaí on the beat years ago, is it? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, I grew up in Cox City and that time there was a number of guards in the bridewell. There were big, strong men, right? And they would walk around the city centre they talked, they, they engaged with people, they spoke with people, young and old, yeah, right? Yeah. There was never any hassle, no any trouble. Even if you had a car, you could leave the keys in the ignition, right? That's how safe Cox City was. And um, today, it's just not happening. The guards, I know, they're, they're short of staff, 
But at the same time, the chief superintendent has to bang the table and bang it very hard for more girls. Yeah. He who shouts loudest gets paid first. Yeah. That's my attitude. And, like, Cork is a beautiful city, and it's no going to... It, look, the, it's bad enough for tourists to come into Cork and say they'll never come near the place again. But when we have our own people saying yes and nothing being done about yeah, us... Okay. Yeah. That 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 is the that is the major issue, yeah. I think. And does the, uh, you know, I mean, you're a grown man, right? I don't know your age, right? Uh, but would you walk around Cox City at night? No, on your own? no, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. no, no. And, and there are thousands of men like you and me that wouldn't either, right? Okay, okay. Because he listen, there are grown men out there. They won't even go into Patrick Street. I, I adjourned today. It's got it's got ballistic. It's gone shabby. Why don't the city council turn around and give the people that own properties, especially local people with their own properties? You know, the likes of Fitzgeralds or Murphys and all these people, right? Why don't they, the council give them a grant or give them a, give them a discount off the rates and service charges to paint up the premises and put a bit of colour of life back into the city? You know, put floor boxes on the window, right? Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe even go to the extent of taking down these silly-looking uh, streetlights we have. Right? Yeah, but you put uh, flower boxes and beautiful things and ornamental things into the city, they'll just get wrecked, won't they? Somebody will just tear. No, them no, apart. no. I talk. I, I no. I'm not talking about on ground level. I'm talking about. All right. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. uh, we say the first floor of a building, mean. Right? I mean, you can go into Cox City, you can look at shops, and okay, there's a lot of them closed down, but look above the shop window. Okay, right? fair, good points, well made. I want to talk to Frank in a second, but what what is sure. what is preventing you from going into the city? What do you what do you expect would happen if you did? Well, I, I like well, first of all, my age, I'm seventeen or I'm worse, right? First of all, it's my age, and secondly, you don't know what's going to happen, right? There are so many scumbags on the streets of Cork, unfortunately, and I hate after it's on the road. And call fellow cop people scumbags, right. but that is the reality. That's what they are. Okay, all and right. And it's all the big problem is the drug issue, right? Yeah. The shoot, the, the dealing, shooting up, the stealing, and plus the fact we don't have the sentences that have been handed down by the court are literally a joke. Why don't these people be put into a boot camp or conscripted into the army, right? Instead the of army suspended sentences, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inst- instead know, of, instead uh, of a lot of them get, with, uh, with convictions as long as you're armed. Okay. Yeah, All right. put them in the boot camp, put them in the army, and that will make men out of them. All right, thanks for that, Jerry. Appreciate it. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks for holding. Uh, Cork is now like Dublin in the 80s. When you lived there, yeah, you, 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 well, you, I want you to explain that, but you, have you seen the video footage out of Ballyfermot in the carry on? I have, I have. Have you seen the uncensored video footage? I, I've seen a couple of the videos doing their own, all right. Have you um, seen the ages of the young people there? And Neil, Neil, when Luke was growing up, did you know where he was? Um, I mean, I mean, you never know of twenty four seven where everybody is. No, but I mean, when he was twelve and thirteen. A fair idea, yeah. I mean, abs- ab- absolutely. But I'll listen, pa- I, 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 come here. I don't put myself about. down as being any way even close to an ideal parent or father. No, of us no, does. no, Neil. But what it is, I mean, those kids in that video from Cherry Orchard, 
a lot of them were between the age of 12 and 15. That's an right. Awful lot of yeah, yeah. An awful lot of them. Yeah. But the problem So where is, are they getting the big motorbikes and the scramblers? And Do you notice the man, video? It's, it's outside the church, dead. right? And they're, they're, and dead, you're buying it for Christmas. But there's loads of sulkies and ponies and horses and all sorts of things. Mammy and Daddy are buying them for Christmas. And it's generational, Neil. I mean, as, I, as you said there, I lived in Dublin in the 80s. One, one second, I know, but before the 80s, let's talk about now. One second, there's a member of Vanguardia Shikona trying to calm things down. The next minute, this thug goes up to him and smashes a bottle, breaks his jaw, smashes a bottle into his face and he goes down. Exactly. Like, and what, what age do you think that fella was? He's probably under 18. So he'll probably get no sentence or very little sentence. Um, he, it's generational in that most of their parents did the same thing. They started having the ponies and the sulkies and the scrambler bikes. And I mean, it wasn't too long ago there was a kid killing a scrambler bike up there in the general area. Yeah. But Mammy and Daddy, the ads around Christmas time for scrambler bikes. But what? They what fill pages, like. But what are so many young people doing on a Monday afternoon? In a suburb yeah. of Dublin, when they're not at home or not at school or not at work, they're not thousands. They're, they're home, it's a. But, like, how, there's hundreds of them. Neil, the excuse you'll get every single time from their parents is, "I sure they have nothing to do." What a load of BS! Neil, when we were growing up, there wasn't an awful lot around in the eighties. Well, we had a local youth club, the Scouts, the, the, the GAA, the soccer. You went to something. Yeah. It, it's generational. They've seen their parents do it. It's the same as the drug trade. It's generational. The young fella will see this fella driving around in the Mercedes. Oh, I can be like him and make all that money. Then after your man goes down, right? I'm just looking at the video again. After your man goes, the guard goes down then. There's another misfortunate guard in a flak jacket. And they start attacking him. And there's, there's about five, ten, six, eight or nine of them. One of them is a girl who's got to be no more than about 12 years old. Absolutely. Squaring up to the guards. Absolutely. And what do they, what do they have to defend themselves? A little baton? It's just... Another guy then has a motorbike, right? He gets off the motorbike, puts it in gear, revs it up so that the motorbike takes off on its own and he directs it at a squad car where the guard is standing. So like, it, like it's a... It's like a, it's like a weapon, the motorbike. But, but uh, Neil, don't fool yourself. Give it, give it not too long, and you're going to see the same down here. In certain areas, you're going to see the exact same down here. All right. I, okay. I believe something did happen in a, a spot in Coxley last night. Okay. And it started to come out on Facebook, but I mean, I won't mention anything. Because I have some stuff on that. I can do that now if you want. Yeah. You okay. know, but, but Neil, going back to the 80s, and I lived, I lived in Dublin, unfortunately, um, just for about 18 months. And you could see the drugs, the heroin especially, starting. And... It got a grip of the whole city. Um, they had kids running around delivering and that because they can't be charged, obviously, if they're caught. I can see Cork turning into the exact same thing. Mm, okay, okay. The heroin has just taken over the city centre. I mean, I said that was one of the most craziest statements I ever heard a chap saying, Moose, Simon out of the city centre. As if the heroin... The incident, the, yeah, the, like. the, the incident you're referring to, that has that is that to do with... Um, this car gathering at Blackpool Shopping Centre? 
That was only one of them. That was at the weekend. And what was, I seen it, what was seen the other it, one? There was another one last night up in the Holly Hill area. With, there was quite a few hundred and maybe five or ten to fifteen Gardaí. And I don't know what came out of it, but seemingly it was fairly messy. Okay, I have both of those. Let me do those. Thank you for that. Appreciate it, Frank. Uh, living in crazy, scary times. What I witnessed tonight, as in last night, was like the scene from Dublin. Uh, about 7.30pm, I was out for a walk. I had left Lidl to do the Apple Walk. There were hundreds of teens in Churchfield at the Meadows letting off fireworks. The road was blocked at the traffic lights with guards and an ambulance. As you turned to St. Vincent's Club, there was a burnt-out motorbike. Someone's hard-earned money had gone down the train, drain, literally, up in smoke and flames. Apparently, <coughs> all this was planned on Snapchat. The army needs to be up here, I can tell you. I'm ashamed to see such crowds and those that were supporting this carry-on. I would not like to be a guard up there uh, against uh, yeah, 20, against hundreds uh, in groups and in cars taunting them. Um, I genuinely have never seen gangs like it. It's like a ticking time bomb up here and I'm genuinely concerned at the ratio of guards to male teens. Uh, some seem to think it's okay to let out fireworks and race bikes and intimidate neighbours. It's very sad for the people living up here tonight, as in last night. Uh, please God, nobody will get hurt trying to protect their cars and their homes <coughs> from these gangs. It's just so scary to witness such a scene and a complete and utter waste of 20 Garda resources. Uh, long-time listener, love the show. Anybody, would you mind if I could stay anonymous? Thursday night in the heart of Blackpool at Dunn's Shopping Centre, hundreds gathered for a car show. I'm genuinely not against people who spend their hard-earned money on cars, but this started at 10pm. There were engines um, it says here there were engines twirling, banging, etc. You name it. Uh, my friend in Dublin Hill said our kids were woken because of the gathering. It was that loud. On the Commons Road, they had the same problem. I understand it was patrolled by Gardaí, but the working residents had a nightmare. I got little to no sleep. Uh, and all we're being told was, isn't it better than drinking and alcoholism? I feel so upset and sad. We had no letter, no notice that this was happening came home from bingo to have a young man flying up the Commons Road in a very noisy Passat, bouncing his way around my car while I was trying to park. And to add to this, the noise went on till at least three in the morning. I just don't feel safe in my own area anymore. You should highlight this on your show. I don't think I'd be the only one who feels like this. Uh, I'd be so grateful if you could. And then um, that was attached to an article then that was published by Cork Bio. Uh, which would have been Friday night. Hundreds of car enthusiasts pouring into Cork City last night for an event at the Northside Shopping Centre um, for 10pm at night. Um, nothing wrong with being a car enthusiast, but there's a time and a place for everything, right? Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So regarding my chat with uh, Kevin Hurley, the CBA president, uh, Kevin is spot on when he says the checkpoints you see are manned by the road policing unit. That is their job, the traffic corps. I was referencing that you you could kind of set your watch to traffic checkpoints uh, and speed checks. It's the lads in Anglesey Street and the Bridewell who are responsible for the city centre and there just isn't enough of them. They're understaffed, under-resourced and still doing the best with what they have. To all those people so quick to criticise them, I bet if you walked a week in their shoes, you wouldn't be long changing your mind. That's a text from a Garda wife. Uh, how can people call the city a beautiful place when it's run down, dirty, tired-looking dump? 
I walked up recently with my partner and noted this, noticed this. Uh, we need a paddy wagon to pluck the troublemakers off the street. It's no good having them sitting in the bridewell waiting for a call to an incident. I'm a 44-year-old woman. It's been a long time since I ventured into Cork City. The reason is that I've heard far too many stories of women being grabbed, threatened and verbally abused. People need to know it's gone very dangerous. I'll be avoiding it in the future like the plague. That female taxi driver may feel safe, but the reality is it'll only take one incident to make her change her mind. I hope it doesn't happen, <coughs> but it can, says Julie. Uh, Garda presence is what's needed on the streets of Cork. It's only common sense. Garda need to be walking up and down the streets and troublemakers wouldn't be hanging around causing aggro and dealing drugs. New York in the 80s was a slum, but policing the streets cleaned it all up. But do you see Ballyfermot then? Even when the Garda are present and they arrive and there's hundreds of these just milling around and acting the maggot and at one stage, of course, bottling a member of Angarda Shikana. The Garda president didn't make any difference to them. If anything, it just made them so, you know, the, inverted commas, braver. It's judges that are causing the issues in Cork and Ireland. Guards are arresting the same scumbags week in, week out. They go into court and they get a slap on the wrist for the 100th time and a suspended sentence. There's so many people on the streets with a hundred odd previous convictions, rape, serious assault, armed robbery. Uh, the judges will want to start doing their job, stop lining their pockets from the same scum every week. They are the biggest issues with the country, judges and sentencing. Uh, why would we blame Mungardi for the justice system? It's the judges who are allowing people with a lot of convictions to walk our streets. If the Guardi are doing all the paperwork only for the scumbags to be arrested, charged and then given a suspended sentence and walking the streets again... Sure, the guards are bound to lose interest. Uh, it's not what they signed up for. Um, if they threw eggs at Reardon's door, would it be linked to a sexual minority? Uh, if that girl, the gay girl, was attacked in a gay club, it's highly likely that the attacker was gay themselves. Sexual preference is being used as an excuse for nearly everything if the person is gay. Uh, I'd really have to sit down quietly and study that text for a long time to, to work it out. So <clears throat> a little bit more clarity on that one if you're still listening. Uh, text 0868104106 but and I know that's been quite negative and you know unfortunately there's a lot of reasons why um, we talk about Cork in a negative light it's not as if we don't get the stories but there was a lovely article that was done by the travel editor with the Irish Independent um, Paul O'Congula uh, and they he's also a writer with the National Geographic incidentally and apparently they are doing um uh, a travel feature on Cork for the Weekend magazine in the Irish Independent. And he was asking people to tweet two things to do in Cork City. <clears throat> right? Here's some of them. Um, McCurtain Street is one of them. Uh, the VQ area. Uh, Shandon Bells. The Marina. The Farmgate. Looking down on the market. Son of a Bun for lunch. Uh, Crawford Cafe for a snoop. Uh, the War Museum as in Collins Barracks. The Roundy Bar for live music. Elbow Lane for dinner. Uh, another one. Staying in the Victoria Quarter in the Metropole. Pints or whiskey at the Shelburne Bar. The Crawford Art Gallery. Um, it's foodie heaven. Um, the Council of Europe Museum Prize winner of 2022. Nano Nagel Place. Um, Ireland's best foodie street. McCurtain Street. Uh, and I'm assuming that the people who are tweeting these are not all Cork people. They're people who have visited Cork. Breakfast in the farm gate, looking down as the market floor comes to life. When I relocated to Cork, I'd fly over early from Prestwick. 
The Cork flight would be in early. I'd be in the market with my newspaper at 9am. It was magic. I loved that routine. Another few. The tour at UCC campus. It's an amazing place. And the tour is a bargain at five euro. In fact, we spoke to, I think it was JP Quinn, about the UCC campus tours last summer, if you remember. Um, Again, many people talking about UCC. Ballancolic Regional Park particularly the old gunpowder mills by the Lee. The bells of Shandon with the goldie fish. Uh, Great fun playing the bells. Top it off with the amazing views. A must-see, not just for visitors, but for visitors and residents alike. The Crawford Gallery, cocktails at Cask, a picnic in Fitzgerald's Park, a walk to the Marina Market, food in the corn store, um, another one or two here. Uh, walking Patrick Street and Oliver Plunkett Street and the Mardike, feeding the swans in the lock, going to UCC's campus, getting lost on a Friday or Saturday night in the nightlife of Washington Street, heading to the Crawford, going to St. Finbar's Cathedral. Just one more for now, and there's reams of them just to remind us of the good things about Cork. Photo Gardens, Photo Wildlife Park, Cove and its self-drive boats, Spike Island and the Ballycotton Lighthouse Trips, Blackrock Castle, Fitzgerald's Park, Curraheen River Walk. I've done that one, actually. That's a beautiful walk from here all the way over to um, the other side, over along towards Model Farm Road. Uh, The Marina Market. We are blessed in Cork. And I haven't even mentioned the beauty of West Cork. There is somebody, of course, who who puts a a bit of a, a downer on it. I'm from Cork and struggling with this one, to be honest, having worked in the city from 89 to 98. I see it now as a city with very little to offer, unfortunately. But if I were, try two or three hours in the city, take in some breakfast and then a walk in UCC, Fitzgerald's Park and the Mardak. And there's reams of them, actually. And another one here talks about climb Shandon, ring the bells, come back down, go to Linehan's for the best boiled sweets ever. Uh, Spike Island, um, a no-brainer. If you haven't visit, visited, do. I, I was quite inspired actually when I read them because I'm imagining these are a lot of them from people from all over Ireland who responded to the Irish Independent tweet who have visited Cork and had good things to say about it back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Texas says yourself, Neil, and Katrina Toomey are part of the problems affecting our city, feeding the wasters and the chancers 24 hours a day do them no good and causing all sorts of problems all around. That's a fairly broad sweeping statement. I don't know if you've ever been homeless or unemployed or hungry or without any prospects in your life. I know I certainly was back in the um, very early 80s and awful times in the early 80s and at one stage was as close to homeless as you can get. Uh, and I think that if anybody has been through that and is living through that, they certainly need help. And certainly if they have nowhere to lay their head at night or no food or no prospects or no job or limited or no education, um, I don't get your text, to be quite honest with you. But thank you for it nonetheless. Some of the other recommendations that were made in the independent uh, call out to people around Ireland as to what to do in Cork. Uh, the Butter Museum. Cram in as many works of street art as possible. Go kayaking on the River Lee. Have lunch at the Good Day Deli. Go to the stunning Nanonagel Place. Stroll around the English Market. Take in the north side from Bell's Field. Um, and they also reference Patrick's Hill and beautiful places like that. You'll know them, the texter says, from the brilliant young offenders. Michael Collins' house down in Clonakilty also makes it into the list. Nanonagel Centre, Cork City Jail, the Elizabethan Forts and Finbar's Cathedral, the City Jail and Shandon Bells and Dinner in Paradiso. Uh, another few here. Ringing the Shandon Bells, walking through the fabled quad at UCC, 
folklore has it that a student will fail his or her exams if they walk I think it's on the grass isn't it of the quad I think you'll fail your exams if you do that a cycle down the marina to Blackrock Village on a sunny Sunday morning a picnic in Fitzgerald's Park um, many people talking about climbing uh, Shandon ringing the bells and treating themselves to sweets at Linehan's close by Mother Jones Market on the weekends a Cork Harbour cruise um, Cork for cafes for coffee culture a lot of people are saying uh, if you're getting out if you're getting out of Cork City go to Clonakilty Black Pudding Visitor Centre for a pudding tour you can even take the bus the most interesting and unique museum I have been to cycle the greenways take the ferry to Cove uh, the Crawford Gallery uh, what else have I got here feed the ducks and the waterfowl on the lock in Cork they like raw organic porridge and lettuce <laughs> <laughs> the day's gone when you'd feed them stale bread. Um, and one very interesting one, it's called cork baiting. Cork baiting is great fun. Go to Cork, find a random Corkonian, engage them in conversation. Say something like, you get great weather here in Cork. And then see how long they spend telling you all the great things about Cork. That is true. We may well criticise our own city, but we're first to defend it Defend it if another from outside does any kind of criticism. If you're talking about eats, a Hearns in Yall is an absolute must. The food is phenomenal. Can I just say that last year I ate in a Hearns and it was a long time before I ate it, ate there um, since, well, you know, it was years since I'd been there. I was there last year. And the food was incredible. It was really, and that texture is right, Absolutely phenomenal. Others are suggesting a pint in the mutton lane. There's just loads of them. And these are some smart Alex says, head out the N25, go to Waterford. Another person says, go straight to Cork Airport and get out. <laughs> and one, of course, that everyone would, would agree with, if it's a pint you're looking for, go to the High B bar. Sadly, Brian's no longer there, but... The staff and the customers are as great as ever and the high B bar itself is an absolute treasure. So that's just, I mean, there are lots more. I may well come back to them throughout the course of the morning, but that's the deal on that one. And that, of course, is a feature that apparently will be coming out in the Irish Independent and the weekend supplements at some stage to come. How am I doing here? i got about two and a half minutes. So can I just uh, maybe just talk to Pat very quickly. Pat, good morning. Morning. Two okay. things. Yeah, go ahead. I, I've, been, I've been saying this about Cork City for a long while. Look, I'm a guy in my 60s. Last November, I was walking up Patrick Street at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, of a Saturday afternoon. I had my son and my three granddaughters coming up along behind me. I had a bunch of young fellas, and I could say young fellas, anywhere between 14 and 18 or 20, coming down against me, and one of them was doing a fairly aggressive shadow boxing. As the group went to pass me, he threw a punch that literally came within an inch of my ear as as the fist passed the side of my face. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was it. They just, they just kept moving. Right? But they were in a bunch and it was like, move out of our way. We're coming down the street. Part, part the waters, as the fella said. That's one. Two, quite a few years ago, a friend of my sister's got beaten up down in parallel place at the bus office waiting for a bus, a lady in her 40s at the time, or 50s, with a disability, for her glasses and her phone. Right? Again, the culprits were known culprits. They were caught, and I think the person in question uh, got a slap on the wrist is all I can say. Okay. 
Okay. A, f- a, friend of my, a friend of my son's in her 30s, three, four years ago, walking down McCartan Street in mid-afternoon of a weekday, was jumped for her phone and one of a few quid she had on in the, in the daylight or at night? Not that it should matter, but no, I'm just no, curious. No, no, in the middle of the day, yeah. middle of the day, mid-afternoon, at two, three o'clock time. Not only did people around not intervene, but were it not for the fact, from what I've heard and been told, that a passing squad girl happened to cruise by and the cops jumped out, that girl wouldn't be with us today. Mm. Because at even though this person who robbed her had gotten her phone and her money, she was laying into her, the girl was on the ground, your one had her caught by the hair and she was hopping her head off the corner of a curb, the footpath. Right? <sighs> I believe, from what my son tells me, that she has a permanent brain issue since. Good right? God. She spent God knows how long in hospital. And the the lady in question, I believe, was a, a known uh, drug addict who ended up, I think, she got about four years or something where it eventually went to court and ended up, I think, doing about 12 months. And, like, this is what we have around our city. Can't argue I, with I, any I, of those I, examples I, that you give, you're giving I, each other. I, I have, yes, I have no issue with the Garda Shigana. They're trying to do a job, but as the fellow said, they're being bloody hobbled by between financial resources, manpower, the way the system works. Well, they're also like, fighting against uh, numerous free legal aid applications for multiple offences and also suspended sentences and things like that. And I suppose if somebody's going to be going down for an offence, they might as well go down for a lot of them, you know? Well, what I, what I, what I personally think is this. Free legal aid, people need it. Yes. But someone that's a regular, uh, you know, a frequent flyer, that there should be a limit to the number of times that they can actually yeah. access yeah. or get free yeah. legal aid. Yeah. I know it's a minefield of rights and wrongs and so forth, but th- that's one... Bit of a cash cow as well, though, for the legal profession, in fairness. Oh, yeah, but look at the number of times all these cases get adjourned, they get put back. Yeah. Every yeah. time the legal people appear in court, they're making money. Again, at the end of the day, they're doing their job. They're working within the system. Mm. The system is broke. Mm. You okay, know? okay, like, okay. I remember, as, I'm in my 60s, but I remember as a young fella, even not even me, I remember as an adult, that, you know, you, you ran forward the Gardaí for acting the maggot, right? You were likely to be hauled home by the scruff of the neck. You might even get a clip around the ear, and I don't mean no a hiding that will put you in hospital, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and when you got home, nine times out of ten... The parents finished what the girls had started. Yeah, but what happened then? Did a new generation of parenting come along and uh, and uh, and and talk to their children differently about not having fear and knowing your rights and uh, you know standing up for yourself? I, I think that's one. It's this sense of entitlement look, that came along. Yeah, the sense of entitlement that came along, and you know, my Johnny, my Johnny, who's out of step in in the marching column, oh, he's right, but the rest of the column is, is out of step. Yeah, okay. So, like, you know, the whole thing needs to be reset. Okay. Yes, you know, you, you, can't, you shouldn't hit a child. But at the same time, where does the, the line get drawn? Well, I don't think it involves reverting back to leathering children, you know. No, it doesn't. But there has to be some way of doing this. 
one thing that I do say is, is that you don't see, like, uh, the, the players in Paul Street. Like, you'd be half afraid to walk Rough, in there. Yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't remember when I've seen a guard walking the streets of Cork City Centre, let alone anywhere else. Okay. And by the way, I was in the middle of the Blackpool shenanigans last Friday night. I drove into that car park to pick someone up from work. The person that I was picking up couldn't get to me because of the crowds. They were on their phone and the... Well, there's no problem with car enthusiasts, but not at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah, and, but hang on. The crowd that were there started abusing him when they heard what he was saying on the phone. That's number one. Number two, I was there in obviously what was not a car enthusiast car. Yeah. Right? I was. There was people walking all over the place. There was people staggering all over the place. Don't ask me what they were on. But Were they drinking there as well? I saw people with cans, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, you can hold on if you want because I really have to go to news because the standing by, but I'll pick up the conversation after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. And you can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Um, interesting text this morning. This Seeds were sown a long time ago when the city council allowed clamping of cars and the removal of cars from the city and the impounding of cars and the charging of daily fees. That was the start of the negativity towards the city. It led to its ultimate downfall. They then put the icing on the cakes by bringing in extra wardens, costly car parks, closing Patrick Street to traffic, cycling lanes. The list goes on and on. Isn't that an interesting text? There's a lot going on in that text. Just to finish the conversation with Pat, because I referenced it, uh, it uh, earlier on with an email and some photographs from this um, car enthusiasts event on Friday night. So, Pat, go ahead. You, you say you were there. I ended up inside in the car park. Right, not realizing what was going on. There was people walking all over the place as if cars that were trying to drive in or out didn't exist. I had, because I was being careful, I had clowns behind me in their uh, special cars and they're revving their engines and flashing their lights. I eventually managed to find a way to turn around the car park to go down one of the aisles in the car park. Again, moving at barely walking pace. Out of the blue way, the guy walked across in front of me and I had to jam on. He was so close when I did jam on that he actually pounded his fist on the bonnet of my car and then walked up the driver's side of my car, whacking his fist off the windows of my car as he went by. Mm. I eventually got over to the car park. I'm up at the traffic lights at where Dino's is on the main Cork Mellow Road, Commons Road waiting to make a right turn to go out in the direction of Blarney. The lights there, the last light before you get your green light, is traffic turning right to come in towards the shopping centre. There was a white, one of these gar- emergency guard cars that they brought on stream uh, during COVID, you know, basically just as guard down the side of it and mm. nothing else, mm. right? Was making the right turn. He had a green light, he was doing perfect. But the six... Enthusiast cars, nose to tail, with about a foot between each one, that came through the red light after them, had a red light, and they didn't give a toss. Uh, 
<laughs> no, that that is dangerous, and and you know you're describing what could have been a major pileup. But at the same time, and I wasn't there, and I understand that I've been contacted by residents who said it was a nightmare; they got no sleep. But it was ten o'clock at night. The shopping centre is closed. They're car enthusiasts. They love their cars. They really weren't doing no harm to nobody uh, apart apart from maybe the noise. Do you know what I mean? They could be they could be out robbing people, mugging people, shooting up with heroin and drugs, but they weren't doing any of that. Well, all I would say to you is is that I later on that night had to go to Little Island. I came up from Little Island sometime just before twelve o'clock. And on the motorway on the dual carriageway to Silver Springs I heard their exhausts and they're racing down. And I they went on a cruise, go. though. They just took the cars out. They're proud of well, their I, cars. Look, that's fine, Neil. A cruise is within the speed limits. I was doing 100k or just 190k coming up that dual carriageway, and I had four of them past me as if I was stopped. And the noise was unbelievable. Now, apart from the fact that if you look at any photographs that happen to have reg numbers that have been pasted all over Facebook and other media, you will see that a lot of these cars didn't have even legal number plates on them. They had, I, saw, I saw one or two cars, their black number plates, Cork Dublin Irish number plates, done in yellow. Others had blue number plates on them. I know, they're, they're technically not legal, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. The legal. guard said that they patrolled the area and apart from one learner driver found without an unaccompanied driver, there were no issues. That one vehicle was seized. Uh, Corpio says the drivers went on a cruise around the area, resulting in some locals reporting a bit of noise in different parts of the north side. I'm only making the point, and I don't mean to anger people who say that it was loud and noisy and they couldn't sleep and all this kind of, I get that. But we, we complain and we criticise them when they get up to no good and when they take an interest in a hobby then we give them grief as well. I I don't see it that way. Okay. Because well I, I wasn't I, there, I, bear I, in I, mind I, you were. Yeah. I'll put it to you this way, right? On an average day, on my own, if I were to have driven my car in any way, shape or fashion that a lot of these people had driven their car, right, I would have been arrested, let alone stopped and ticketed. That's number one. Number two, my understanding is, is that after a certain period of time at night, I believe it's 10 o'clock, right, like these cars, some of them were fitted with cherry bomb devices. What are they? Which means you rev, you rev out the engine and then you press a button inside in the thing that causes a spark in the exhaust. I know how the system works and it will make a nice, heavy backfire. Something like a crowbanger. There were several of those on the go as well. They're car enthusiasts, so, man. They've, they're paying tax. They're paying insurance. They've, you know, they get them NCT. And, and, and I, I'm a citizen of this land and I'm entitled to live in peace and in respect. Yeah, I guess I'd have you know, a totally different perspective on it if I was there or witnessed the noise. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just yeah, saying, we're down on them when, when we think they're doing everything no, wrong, and then when they invest the a bit of money and they get a car loan or whatever, and they get themselves a flashy set of wheels, we're giving them grief as well. Under, under, yes, but that is if they obey the laws of the road True. when they're on the road. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them don't. That's that's one thing. Like. I used to be a regular visitor to the Mallow Flower Show. There's a section there for vintage cars and so forth. And I think some modified cars I've seen it there as well. 
But, like, they were sitting there quietly. To my knowledge, they, when they were coming and going from that venue, they didn't cause mayhem on the roads around that venue. <laughs> the people going there caused enough for that. Under the right circumstances, like, right. you know, okay. the, the, articulated, the articulated trucks that you see on the road, they get shown off. The last time I heard what it was before COVID, there was a huge show was ending up to a thousand of these trucks up someplace near Lim- Limerick, all organised, something like we'd say the Plowing Championships. But I'm a local to Blackpool. Uh, not just myself, but people I know would be, you know, fairly regular on the likes of uh, social media and stuff. And up to the time that it happened, none of them knew, knew anything about it. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know? All right, okay, appreciate it. Thanks for that. I'm sorry that I kept you waiting across the 11 o'clock news. Thanks, Pat. Pick, it up, pick up on that conversation and all others. Text 0868 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. I'll come back to all those topics of conversation from this morning again, but it's important to mix things up and I will come back to issues on Lee's side and what have you. I try to accentuate the positive through the eyes of people who travel down here on weekends and give out lots of ideas. If there's any that's missed, of course, you can text your own contribution as to where you'd love, where you would recommend people to go, where they're visiting Cork. Text 0868 But with regards to the other way around, going overseas I know I noticed a fabulous post that I read top to bottom looked at all of the photographs as well that was posted by Jolene Cronin um, of Cronin's of Crosshaven fame and she was saying uh, you may have noticed uh, my absence from social media over the past few weeks well nigh on a month because for the month of January she took herself off to Morocco and it got me thinking of how many people actually go say on their halls or getaways on their own as solo travellers. Now, I know it being February and, you know, January and February's time and everybody's online checking out, you know, holiday destinations and places to go and places they like to go or somewhere different. It could be for a couple, it could be a family or indeed it could be for somebody flying solo. This is exactly what Jolene did and has done a lot of that in the past. But to Morocco, she went for January. Jolene, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How and, are you? I'm back, back from Morocco anyway. I made it back. And back in back in one piece, although you had a fairly interesting trip. But do you do a lot of solo traveling? Yeah. Do you know what? Over the years I have. I've actually done lots of solo traveling and I love it. It's a it's a great it's a great experience. I totally recommend um recommend it, it for people. Is it not lonely though, no? Um, yeah, good question. I suppose like you're, yeah, kind of set, setting off on your own kind of, it can be daunting and the thought of it being lonely, but to be honest, I kind of feel I'm never really on my own because even though if I do, um, you know, m- set off initially, there's always people you're, you're going to meet along the way, whether yeah. that's, you know, yeah. kind of like uh, staying in a hostel, meeting like-minded people, or in the case when I went to Morocco, I actually joined a small group tour and there was like, um, several other travelers and, 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 you know, a lot of them are very independent and, you know, quite similar kind of values as well in looking for the same experience. Yeah, I, I, liked what, I liked what you said, that the only time you're kind of on your own is you, you might get on the plane alone, but you don't yeah. generally end up for the rest of the holiday alone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely um, been been my experience of it anyway, like, do you know? Is it, um, is, I mean, is that like, you, you arrived in Casablanca and day one, your phone stolen. <laughs> I was just talking to, was talking to somebody last year, Day one, oh, they arrive in oh. in uh, Cape Town. Come out of yeah. the train station in Cape Town. Their phone is stolen. I mean, yeah, like yeah. it's epi- yeah, it's yeah. epidemic, isn't 
Yeah, no, that was an ill turn of fate now, that's uh, that's for sure. I wasn't too impressed that that happened to me and um, probably, you know, just the kind of situation I, I got into at that point wasn't great. Like, um, And what had happened there was um, I was joining this group tour and I kind of left a couple of days um, beforehand to, you know, to kind of find my feet and, and just, I suppose, explore the city on my own. Yeah. And this kind of unfortunate incident happened. But sure, do you know... Two characters like, on the back of a bike, was it? Two characters on the back of a bike. but um, And they stole my phone and I ended up kind of reporting it to the police and, and there was a bit of drama about it. But, you know, like, that was one kind of bad experience that, that happened and it shouldn't kind of came to your view either of, like, the wonderful few weeks that, that followed after it, like. Um, and in a way, you know... Like, how come, how come I, you were mentioning a spin in a... the accident? What's the business of... A spin in a cop car, handcuffs, cuffs and marriage proposals. <laughs> we need a whole episode for that, Neil. <laughs> and then apparently they ask you, they're quizzically looking at you in the hotel afterwards, wondering why you didn't give the cops a backhander, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the culture of where I was. And, that, and you know, that's the thing when you, when you go travelling, like you're experiencing these new cultures and, and you're getting to see how other people live and... I suppose you're maybe appreciating and valuing a little bit more of what we have at home. Okay, so the glaring question is, what's it like then being on holidays for a mm. month with no mobile phone? Mm. Do you know what? It was actually great. It was really good. Um, like, as I said, I was, I was with other people, so it wasn't like I was completely out of touch or communication. There was, there was always, you know, so, some way to reach the outer world. Um, but I didn't have this kind of constant you know need to to scroll and see what's happening yeah. and like that little kind of ignorant bliss digital detox was kind of lovely you know an unintentional it, digital detox an unintentional one that's what happened but it kind of brought me back to like you know years ago when we didn't have when facebook wasn't a thing like and i've done loads of traveling like sailing you know for example and you go off to sea and you're, you're spending weeks away from the reality of the world and it's just a wonderful kind of a detachment and that's really what holidays yeah because you were crewing a lot yacht crewing you were all over New Zealand and all the waters around yeah, it so yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it was kind of a, it was kind of an, an unintended plus really in the sense that <laughs> you, you had a camera give, give though give that teeth a bonus <laughs> <laughs> no not quite that though but did you have a little no, no. camera with you I did, I did actually and you know what that was great because um, I'm a really kind of creatively driven person I love kind of like you know kind of telling stories and usually that's kind of like visually with my camera so if I didn't have my camera and my intention was to kind of document all this with my phone and make little videos when I didn't have that I was like going, oh Jesus I'm, I'm, I'm knackered here now but fortunately before I'd gone out the door my mum was like take this little small camera with you and just in case you know maybe the you don't want to take it your phone the great Tecla Cronin, there she was, the hero. <laughs> Mad about <laughs> so I had Tecla. this little, oh, I know, she's a star. Um, I had this uh, little camera with me and it saved the day because I got some great images. And you know what? It kind of like also brought it back that it's not always about, you know, having the best camera or the fanciest equipment. It's just like getting in there, capturing the moment, talking to people. And yeah. Do you have to be a people person though to go on your halls on your own though? You have to be able to mingle and mix and get involved, um, don't you? Well, I suppose it definitely helps. And I think the travel as well that way kind of encourages you to bring out that side of your personality. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, is, it is a good thing to do. But um, yeah, for me, I, I find like when you're on your own, 
you know, you can definitely retreat and, and take a little bit of time to, to read or, you know, write or just kind of is go be, off and do your own thing. Is but it like, because you don't have to think about what the other person wants to do or fit in with their plans and itineraries? And um, there, there's definitely a bit of that. I suppose you could kind of see that as a, as a selfish act as well, but it's actually lovely. It's selfless as well to take time for yourself and to do what you want to do. And that's actually a great thing about going on holidays on your own, is that you can go to this place yeah. or that place. Yeah. And you don't have to offer an excuse or an alternative. It's all about yourself. But one thing, actually, and I was chatting to your uh, researcher, Seamus, about it, and, and I would like to kind of mention it for people who are possibly thinking about kind of traveling on their own, but maybe a little bit kind of shy about it. And this has really changed kind of uh, travel experiences for me in the last few years, was... Um, okay, so to kind of put this into context, um, my brother was getting married in New Zealand um, and I was going over to the wedding, of course. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been to New Zealand a few times and I like I, I love spending time there, but I was like, I didn't want to spend, you know, a month there. So I was like, okay, I'll go over, I'll do, go to the wedding, spend a week or so, and then I want to see something on the way back. So I went into the travel agent, went to Trail Finders in the city, and uh, she was saying... I wanted to go to Vietnam and I said, okay, look, that's perfect. I'll spend two weeks in Vietnam. I'll fly into Hanoi. I'll fly out of Ho Chi Minh and I'll make my way down. She's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a map and like, I can, ha- I can check it out on the internet. Don't worry about me. And she's like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going like, don't worry. I'll be fine. I'm very independent. And she's like, you should do a group tour. And I was like, no, no, wrong, wrong person. You are, de- you don't have me now at all. This is not me. Was she trying? No, no, she no. trying to convince you would be unsafe? <laughs> well, she was just basically saying, "Look, you've a limited amount of time, and you know when you get to a place, you don't know where you're going, or you know you've got the hassle of finding out where you're going to stay." She's like, "Look, trust me. Sign up to this, and um, it'll bring you exactly from where you want to go, from point A to point B. All the transport accommodation will be organised. You'll be with other people. It'll be great." Yeah. And I was very apprehensive about it. Yeah. So I did it, and you know what? It was absolutely fantastic yeah, because yeah. we got to see so much and as I mentioned earlier like this was kind of similar to what I did in Morocco you got to meet people that are on the same wavelength of you and they're like they're from all over the world and they're all independent but would that um, have been technically a singles group no it was a small group adventure now there was people who were traveling solo and there was um, like friends or you know mother and daughter or couples and a whole mix of ages so I did a small group tour then as well when I went to Mexico four years ago and that was fantastic. And then again when I went to Morocco and like every time... So Morocco, Mexico, Vietnam, you got on the planes <laughs> on your... You got on the plane on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's a really like, you know, travel, whether you do it on your own or whether you do it with other people, it's an amazingly enriching experience. Like, you know, just kind of seeing different cultures, meeting different people, having new experiences. Like... I, I, yeah, I mean, do people end? I mean, do you end up getting ripped off having to pay higher hotel room f- prices, or oh, people yeah, looking yeah, at you sadly <laughs> in a restaurant on your own, reading a book? You know those kind of things, no? I say they're probably just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> looking across the table at someone you don't want to be with, <laughs> or doesn't want to be with you, and it's it's clearly obvious they don't want to be with you, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's funny actually talking about Mexico. I was in um, I was in Tulum and. Um, I, I wanted to go to the food festival. And this is the thing, like, I don't mind going to stuff on my own. Like, I'll go to a festival on my own. So I went to a food festival anyway, and I was sitting there, and I saw this other guy kind of sitting on his own. 
And I just went over and I was like, how are you? Like, you know, because <laughs> like all these people. <laughs> and anyway, as it turned out, it was a really great time. And we ended up knowing loads of mutual people, even though your man was from the UK. And like, I don't know, when you turn up to um, things that, you know, you, you find other people with similar interests. Yeah, it's probably easier for a woman to do that to a guy, though. But a guy would like... You get some seriously yeah, yeah, strange don't. looks if you did I it the other way around, wouldn't you? Maybe I'm just as old as brass. That's probably my problem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you have the advantage on us and being able to make the first move, in, and and I don't mean that in a kind of a romantic way. But I, I yeah. would never do something like that. Yeah, I just yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. You know? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I don't know. It probably does take a little bit of. Um, yeah, yeah, bravery. Yeah. How was Morocco? <laughs> so far, it hasn't got me into trouble, so no. it's okay. Like yeah. so far, so good. Yeah. How was Morocco? Morocco was outstanding. I had a great time. I had, I had a really, really, really good time. It's a beautiful country. It's very vibrant. There's so many different and um, things that we did that were like each one different, more different and more exciting than the last. And going to the desert and hiking up the mountains and going to the coast and it, it was super. It was okay, really you good. must. I'm um, surely you went to um, Marrakesh. Oh, I went to Marrakesh and it was bonkers. Yeah. Absolutely nutso. Um, like, hugely busy. And, and you have all those people trying to rip you off, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's chaotic and, and the chaos is what's fabulous about it too, you know. Yeah, I loved Marrakesh. I was there a few times. And then over the Atlas Mountains, over to Agadir. It's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. So what's next on the agenda? Next now... Um, well, I'd love to go to India. I'm kind of thinking India next year. Solo next travel? Solo travel? Um, well, I mean, the invitation is open for anybody who wants to come with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going. <laughs> so, so if somebody wants to come along, like, you know, I'm sure. And, and actually, do you know what? They just Scary flashed up on my screen. Do not advise solo travel for a woman <laughs> on her own in India, speaking from experience. Somebody's texting already. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what I'll do is I, I'll join a small group again um, again for that. Like that uh, hang on, hang on there one second because Geraldine O'Callaghan wrote some, a great article in RSVP magazine there recently. Uh, she was writing about escaping on a budget, but a lot of the things oh, yeah. that she does, she goes solo as well. I'll see if I can get her to go to India with you. Geraldine. Okay, okay. Geraldine's <laughs> already been to India solo. <laughs> there. <laughs> I thought you were just talking about her and then she arrives on the phone <laughs> the magic of live radio well should she go on her own though Geraldine absolutely I spent a month in Mumbai by myself and it is all kinds of crazy but all of the best kinds of crazy I felt so safe I made that I was there seven years ago maybe six and some of the friends that I made I'm still friends with today I did a month's course at the Yoga Institute and I qualified as a yoga teacher while I was there and it was just an epic experience. Now, what I will say is if you're going to Delhi as a woman on your own, maybe a little bit more caution, but Mumbai, I felt really, really safe on the street. Okay, um, well, I suppose you'd be very safe if you never never ventured out of the wellness centre, that kind of thing, no? Oh no, I was out gallivanting everywhere. Like, I, and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to India, but somebody text, texted just saying, don't send a woman on her own to India. Well, that wasn't my experience, Neil. I honestly had the most loveliest time in India. And like, having said that, because I was at the wellness, it wasn't a wellness retreat, no, it was a yoga institute. And a lot of locals were there studying to be yoga teachers as well. 
So we were a class of 40, I would say maybe 25 of them were from Mumbai and then maybe 15 foreigners. And we all made the best of friends. We hung out together every night after yoga class. We'd go out to restaurants. We'd be like, I was on the back of their motorbikes in the Mumbai traffic. We were like out gallivanting every night down Juhu Beach, hanging out on the beach. And do you find that more people on their own, I was just chatting to Jolene about where she's been on her own and is never alone when she gets there. Are there more people just saying, no, I'm just going to do it myself. I don't have anybody in my life or whatever and I'm just going to go. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you? Like, if you spend your life waiting on somebody else to do it with you, you'll probably spend your life waiting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to do something, it's about taking control of your own life. If you want to do something, go do it. And the thing is, if you're the type of person who's open-minded and kind of open-hearted enough to travel alone, you're definitely the type of person who will meet friends at every destination, who will be open to conversation. And even if you're not the type of person, if you're the type of person who's more introverted and like alone time, well then, why not like alone time in other destinations and get to know the world by yourself? Is it more expensive though, Geraldine? It can be if you book hotels because there's a single supplement on most hotels. However, if you're traveling alone, my recommendation would be to book hostels because you might be in a four-bed dorm with three other women. Now, at that, you're probably paying 15 quid a night for a bed. It's not expensive. You'll be in the hostel with three other, in a bedroom with three other like-minded women. You'll get talking to them. And probably that night, the four of you will go for dinner together. The next day, you might plan on a trip together. So, in fact, you spend very little time actually on your own. So there's no kind of, oh, my God, this complete stranger, this randomer is tagging along with us, mother of God, no? No, really, there isn't. There's kind of this sense of um, camaraderie between solo travellers. You know, you have my back, I have yours. Like, if I need to get something out of my backpack, for example, I'll ask my solo traveller, mate, can you reach your hand into my backpack and pull out my sun cream? And then they say, well, if you, you reach your hand into mine and pull out my camera... You kind of work as a team with other solo travellers when you meet them yeah. en route. So yeah. you end up making like really beautiful connections. Like last year I went out and I walked the Camino de Santiago on my own for a month. I walked from Lisbon up to Santiago. Wow. Yeah, and like like that you kind of, you'll be walking along the way one day and you'll meet somebody and you'll end up telling them all your deepest, darkest secrets, things that you wouldn't tell like a neighbour or somebody that you have casually in your life. Because you know this, I don't know, you just build up these bonds with people out on the road that it kind of, you'll get into deep conversation with and have this beautiful experience. Like, it, you, you have some really magical experiences. And then you're not, so, and then you're not kind of having dinner on your own or having a couple of drinks on your own or you know, coming, you may come down to <laughs> breakfast on your own, but you're not having breakfast on your own kind of thing. But you, and so what if you are though? Do you know what I mean? What's the big problem with, why are people so scared of being on their own? Yeah, uh, true. Like, if, yeah. You can't enjoy your own company. How do you expect anybody? No, else I like to it for a night. I, I kind of do, and even bordering on a second. But, but after that, I start losing the plot. <laughs> I love a bit, I love twenty four or thirty six hours where you know I'm oh. I'm alone. But after that, I start getting the heebie jeebies. You know. Yeah. Well, if you went traveling away, say let's say two weeks on your own, you could do like one night dinner on your own because you choose it. And then you could meet people the next day and organize to go for dinner with them the following night. You might go for dinner with one of those people tonight, another one the next night. And then you might say, you know, I actually don't mind doing another, like the fourth day on my own again. So you kind of dip in and dip out of the people that you've met and you can be independent enough to say, like, for example, if you're in Paris, oh, I've already seen the Eiffel Tower four times. This time I want to go to see the Moulin Rouge. 
So you have the freedom to dip in and out of the group and go do your own thing without being committed. And all of the places you've been, you've always felt safe, have you? You've never been apprehensive. Um, actually, yeah. I've always, see, I have a few a little system worked out now. Bear with me on this one. So what I do is I check on my phone before I leave the hostel. I check my phone where I need to go. So if I'm walking somewhere, I say, okay, right for one kilometer, straight for one kilometer, then left and left again. And I kind of memorize the directions in my head so that I'm not down looking at my phone on the route. So I look like a local. I walk like I'm really comfortable. Yeah. I don't take out maps in my hands. I kind of like smile at people. I'm really alert. I, I, that, so that way that kind of works for me. It puts my anxiety at ease. And if I know people at the destination or if I know a friend of a friend, I'll always reach out and ask them to make a contact so that I have somebody at each destination. And generally, like most of the fear is in our heads. When you're out there, you realize there's way more good in the world than there is bad. Yeah, there's yeah. always a bad egg. There's a bad egg in the community that you live in. There's a bad egg. There's a bad egg everywhere, but you're not always going to cross paths with that bad egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I just think like there's more fear in their heads or the dread in their heads. But when you're out there, it's completely different. You did, you, so you, you, you did Romania, didn't you? Um, my sister has a place in Romania. My sister does Romania. She's been doing Romania for the last 20 years. So I went out with her one time, but my sister knows Romania like the back of her hand. She goes uh, for six weeks every year for the last 20 years. So although I went and I stayed in her town, the place where they, it's a small town up in the mountains, she goes gallivant and she goes north, south, east and west in Romania every single year. So, um, it's a bit of a hidden I, gem, I'd say, is it? Transylvania, Brands Castle, places like that? Like Romania is, understated and underrated would be the words I'd use to describe it. Uh, people don't give it a second thought, but you get the four seasons in Romania. So, like, you can go skiing in Romania up as far as April in the season. Like, that's really late in a skiing season to be able to go skiing. And then if you go to the Black Sea, you have the same type of climate that you'll get in Spain in the summer. So, there's, like, theme parks, water parks, skiing slopes, uh, thermal spas, because they have uh, natural thermal springs coming up from under the ground. So there's a little bit of everything in Romania for everyone, but people just need to be willing to drive. And is it expensive? No, absolutely not. Like, it's it's even cheaper than Spain. So if you think you're getting a bargain when you're going to Spain... But you, you, you were writing that you can get a three-course meal for a tenner, or you can get three meals in the day down, and I think it's probably around Costa Blanca, is it? For 20 euro, all you're eating for the whole day. Yeah, you absolutely can. So there's, there's a thing called, like, the kind of a... a and uh, what was it, like a local culture there called the, the Menu del Dia. So there's certain like local Spanish restaurants that do the menu of the day, and that's always under a tenner. If you go to a zone where there's a lot of English and Irish, you might pay 11 or 12 euros for the Menu del Dia, but there's like a three-course meal for 10, 11 euros. So more people are moving away from the Costa del Sol, are they, or the Costa Brava? They're moving towards the Costa Blanca, which is cheaper, right? Well, the cost of like, like when we started going out there 20 years ago, it was really, really cheap. Now, because it's getting so popular with expats, and um, now there's so many people there from across Scandinavia, England, Ireland, Germany, and a lot of Russians down there now at the moment. So the prices are creeping up. But because I know it like a local, I was able to advise in the column that I wrote for this month for RSVP magazine, I was able to actually give a list of all the restaurants that do three-course menus for a tenner. Okay. So pick up a copy. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, any, any thoughts on, uh, say, Romania, Jolene? 
you know, I've been to Romania as well, and it's I, I absolutely <laughs> I should have known. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I went to Romania uh, one summer during college. Um, did a bit of a train backpacking around Eastern Europe. So went off to Macedonia and Hungary and Romania. Oh, and you've traveled done all around so there much. Had a great time. Yeah, yeah, and and super cheap and and really easy to get around. Use the train. Stayed in hostels. And Geraldine hit the nail on the head. Like literally, when you stay in a hostel. You meet so many people and they're all on the same wavelength of you and just get out there and chat and, and it's totally possible. Okay, well, it's food for those. Yeah. Can you give Jolene my details so I can hook her up with some friends of mine in India? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. we, can, we, can yes, that, okay. we can do that when and we get off here. that's how it works. That's exactly <laughs> how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where's, where's next for both of you then? Well, Jolene, I've already you got my, uh, my cards on the table. What about you, Geraldine? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my... Like, my next goal is, I'm a salsa dancer, I'm an avid salsa dancer, I actually love to wiggle my hips like a bag of chips, so I'm planning on going on a salsa cruise, so there's a cruise that leaves from Miami, and it goes all around the Caribbean into Puerto Rico, it goes to the Virgin Islands, and it also goes to um, the Dominican Republic. So you're out at sea for one week and all day, every day, there's salsa classes, bachata classes, kizomba classes. And then every night there's a party all around the pool and everybody's dancing salsa. And that's my next big trip. And that doesn't so, necessarily mean you have to be a couple or a group. You could be a single. Ideally, if you're single, because you can start off with the vertical salsa and then you might meet somebody. So ideally, <laughs> this is a great way to meet somebody. Like if you are like me, you like salsa dancing. Isn't this the ideal way to meet somebody who's like-minded, somebody <laughs> has the same hobby as you, a healthy hobby that uh, it isn't involved just sitting in the pub all day, every day getting drunk, isn't it? Something uh, nicer. You have to be strategic about where you want to meet somebody. So this for me is if you, you like salsa dancing or if you want to find a different type of a hobby, then this for me is something Have that you I done that as well, Jolene? No, I haven't done the salsa, but I wanted to tell you a little story. So um, I was in Singapore and, or sorry, not, not Singapore, I was in Shanghai and I play underwater hockey in Cork. So I found out when the what? local underwater hockey team were playing and I went along to their training and I ended up having a great time with them and went to the horse races and everything and went for pints the next day and my whole four days in that city ended up being with my new friends that I went through. There is such a thing as underwater hockey, is there? (laughs) There is. (laughs) There is. With pucks and sticks and everything. Yeah, it's it's played at the bottom of a pool with pucks and um, yeah, your stick is about the size of a butter knife and you Ah. basically... Try and get the puck into the goal on the other side. Rock on, girls. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> you to India and Geraldine on the salsa cruise of the, what is it, the Caribbean? Go for it. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks for taking the call, both of you. Happy traveling. You're Cheers. So Take Lovely care. chatting Bye. to you guys. Bye-bye. Jolene Cronin and Geraldine O'Callaghan. The whole idea, of course, is that you shouldn't be afraid of going solo. Uh, an awful lot of people do it. And they absolutely love it. If you have, do share the story. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. With what little time I've left, just very quickly, if you don't mind. Betty, good morning. Hi, Niall. How have, are you? Have you done this kind of thing? I have done it lots of times. And my last one was I went to um, the Mardi Gras in New Orleans. 
I tell you what, are you free in the morning? Because I want to talk about, just before I go, a little bit about pancakes. I don't mean to be rude, but I'd love to hear about your solo <laughs> trip in the morning. Is that all right? Okay, no problem. You're the greatest. Thank you so much, Betty. I wish I had more time. I will in the morning. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. So if you're holiday solo, I'd love to hear your stories. Email neil at redfm.ie or text 0868-104-106. It is Shrove Tuesday, uh, and of course that also equates to Pancake Tuesday, and many people, of course, will be getting out the frying pans and making up their own batter and going for it. But let's uh, get the perfect pancake, shall we? Mike Ryan is the manager and indeed chef himself uh, at Cockpool and Corn Store, um, and I think Corn Store will be doing, I don't know, is it crepes or pancakes? Because there is a difference for the day that's in it today. Mike, good morning. Neil, how are you? I have been uh, labouring... Yeah, it's uh, controversial, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, I've been labouring under the misapprehension that I've been eating crepes all my life. Why is that? Because uh, if you put a baking agent, a raising agent into uh, your mix, basically, it, that's, that's... My apologies, my apologies. The difference is, of course, that in a pancake, you need to put baking soda, isn't it? Oh, yeah, baking powder, yeah. You put that in and that, that kind of raises it, makes it nice and fluffy. And it's kind of more, uh, as people would kind of consider an American-style pancake. Whereas I think what we all do at home and a lot of places in restaurants would do is they just make their recipe. Uh, it's more or less similar, and you do it without the, the raising agent, and it's, it'll, it spreads out more uh, and around the whole pan. It fills the whole pan, really. And the pancake mix kind of drops down and doesn't really spread that much. So I've been eating crepes because I've never been putting any raising agent in. The fluffier the pancake is because you're adding the, the baking powder. Yeah, and that's it, basically. We're all, I think we all do that. I think it's, it's a lot, like if, uh, Irish recipe would be more on the crepe style, yeah. So what is, what, is, what is the perfect one? Oh, everyone's got their own. I suppose, like, for me, if you want to make a nice big flowy pancake, what you want to do is you want to add, um, or we call it, yeah, we call it, we call it a pancake. Um, you have, it's, uh, we put in about one cup of flour, a pinch of salt, two cups of milk, two eggs, and uh, two tablespoons of melted butter. And what that gives you is a really wet batter. So you have a nice, you need a high, nice hot cured pan then. So the best way, because like our pans come in and out of the oven and every, you know, we were using them and washing them under the sink. And yeah. They get, they, they still have a lot of grime on them. So what, if you want to do pancakes properly, the best way to cook pancakes Whatever your mix is, is put your pan on a nice hot ring or on your on your on your cooker top, and put salt on it, and put a good sprinkle of salt all over the pan. Really? And yeah, and that day takes the impurities off your pan. It's called curing your pan. And then what you do then is the, so that salt now is going to be very hot. So I wouldn't take it off and throw it straight into the bin because your ba- your bag would melt. Yeah. Or your, or with it, but put into a, a bowl or something on the cooker. Dispose stove. of it safely, and now you got you got safely, a yeah because it is. It's still going to look, it'll look uh, pretty benign, but when you touch it, it's, it's really hot. So you get a cloth in, like a J-cloth, a clean one out of the pack. Don't use a wet one because it'll transfer the heat into your hand. And kind of rub it around the pan like a bit of sandpaper and then wipe it off. It'll take off all the impurities, dispose of that. And then with the, the cloth, just the same cloth, just shake it off and put a, dop, a bit of oil on your pan and put your, use your cloth to oil your pan. And you have a nice coating on your pan then, and then you can start making your pancake. Okay, because I've, I've never put molten butter into the pancake mix, but I have put butter on the pan. Oh, yeah, well, I, well, I think 
Well, we, we all, we all, well, we is that wrong? All the time, but on, on the cheese, oh no, yeah, you, you, you would always use a bit of butter, but you have to be careful. The thing I would use, I would use it in the pan, because you want your pan, for especially a mix that's really wet, you want it really hot. And butter has a, a low smoke point, so it'll burn quickly. Okay. Some people so, add sugar to the batter mix. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, that's the plain mix you can do. If you want, like, my favourite of all time would be buttermilk. I'm a big fan of buttermilk. So I would use buttermilk instead of my butter. Right. And then I would use vanilla essence. And No, you're and, using buttermilk instead of the milk, I guess. Yeah. And so wet milk. But you can do, once you use the basic, say, let's call it the, the basic recipe, even on that, if you wanted to take out a small bit of flour and just crush up some Oreos, this would be more for a like day. Uh, now you're you talking. Know. Yeah. And then you just mix your Oreo and break that up in your blender and put that through some of your flour. Or indeed, just keep your flour mix exactly the same put it in and add in a small bit more liquid. All you want to know is that your, your mix is nice and runny so it'll run around the pan. But the most important you know, is the flour, the eggs and the milk and then, you know, you can do whatever yeah. else you want. And then, of course, then you're, you're down the line as to how you turn it and how you flip it, you know? Yeah, well, you have, you'll, you'll have, well, if you cure your pan rice, you can maybe uh, get one pan, flip one pan, I, I'll flip it on the pan um, but the majority probably go on the floor. The first so one usually goes in the bin, right? It doesn't mean yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, that, but see, that's the whole thing about, see, curing it. You won't waste the first one. And it, it, the first one is never great. It'll always taste the same. It'll be lovely. But um, flipping, I always just, I just make sure the pan is nice and loose. You just want to see a small little bubble on, on top. You don't want to see it getting brown too much because you can finish cooking on the other side and just loosen it and hopefully it'll come up like a sheet and just help it along. And just turn it with your fingers because it'll be after setting at that stage and just lightly flip it over. And are you a fan then of sweet or savoury? Personally, I'm more savoury. But, you know, I I have kids and so they they push me in the sweet direction. But, like, I'm a very, I'm a fan of, like, if it was a Sunday now, like, I know Pancake Tuesday is all about the sweets and so that's what you have. But traditionally, what I love is I love, I love crispy bacon and maple syrup on pancakes. <laughs> and if you if you really want to treat yourself, put a shot of whiskey into your maple syrup, and then whiskey and bacon and syrup. It's you know it's it's an adult. Not for the kids breakfast. though. You give the kids the not Nutella, the kids, would you? Definitely, more, definitely not for the kids. But you know it's it really is a kind of a Sunday morning one with some eggs and stuff. If you you know if you're cooking for friends or whatever. I saw a recipe this morning uh, where you can just get rid of the pan and use the air fryer. Have you are you aware of air fryer pancakes? I'm not, but I, I have used the air fryers for an awful lot of things. I could, I, I'm actually a fan of the air fryer, I must admit. I wouldn't turn on the oven a lot if I was doing a bit of salmon or chicken at all with the air fryer. They are now uh, saying that you can cook eight perfect pancakes at the same time using baking parchment paper and pouring small amounts of the batter onto each baking parchment and loading them up like a tower until you have a stack of them into the air fryer Bob's your uncle, eight done, same time. I, I, I think that would be, uh, yeah, I could, uh, I could see that working. 
but it would have to be a pancake mix then you'd have to have your baking soda I, you couldn't have the runny one because it'd be all over your air fryer <laughs> I was thinking it, it could end up an awful mess yeah but I think no if you actually use a proper pancake <laughs> recipe that would work that's clever I actually might give that a go that, that, you know that's, that's it but sure you, like, you know every day is a school day you, know? you try that in the corn store tonight and video it for me and tell me if it works out assuming you Absolutely. possess one yeah, in the corn store and an air fryer alright okay well listen today's the day because it's 40 days of fast and 40 days of Lent from tomorrow so make the most of it <laughs> that's it that's it we, have, we can be naughty today be enjoy it today. enjoy it look yeah. after yourself thanks chef take thing care thing. as always Mike Bye. Ryan from Cockbull and Corn Store enjoy the day big stack of pancakes if anybody decides to try the air fryer would you please film it for me and let me know how you get on I would love to know how it turns out I might even give it a bash myself later on have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts